is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay. Man. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? As you know, a new show of the Sports Lab. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Beanie. 631-672-3108 is the number. To call us, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app. but It's very, very simple. Go to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, what is going on, buddy? Well, a little bit disappointed after the uh, New York Rangers got eliminated, but still very proud of them. A lot of great moments this postseason. Oh. Well, yeah. Cry but, me a river. I'm not crying. I said I was proud of the team. Well, I didn't expect them to so get this far. So are half the range of fans around the world. Is that, is that not the reaction you would want to have? Two years ago when the Islanders made the <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals, I'm sure you were thinking the same thing. Well, actually, it was last year when they well, made yeah. the Eastern Conference Finals. Right, but the year before, they were more of the underdogs at that time. It was kind of that and new And this team. year, they were the favorites to win yes, the whole thing. <laughs> they were the favorites and they to win the whole thing. And they don't even make the playoffs. So maybe they're just better as the underdogs. Oh, we'll wow. see. Well, I, I, I know, and we're going to get into the Rangers and listening to all the Ranger fans bicker and cry about whatever happened in game number six and, and the Rangers get eliminated in Tampa when they had a 2-0 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. We will get into that, obviously. We have a great show lined up for you, by the way. And uh, at 10 o'clock, we don't have two guests. We have one guest tonight. One of our guests had to cancel with us, but uh, we will be talking to Baylor freshman offensive lineman Tate Williams. He'll be joining us. So Tate's been on the show a long time ago. I think it was about a year and a half. It was two years ago. Two it was years one of ago. Yeah, it, it, he was actually in the car traveling I forget where he was going. I think he might have been going to Mexico or something like that. Um, but yeah, he was traveling the last time. It was like July two years ago. And now he's <laughs> two years later, he's back on and he'll get. He's he'll not going to be in his car tonight. He, he will was, not be in his car tonight. Now, before the show started, we had to test everything. <laughs> yeah. He was in his car. Scrambling coming, right back for practice. For practice. <laughs> yeah. But uh, happy to get him back on the show. Uh, very nice kid. Very polite, so uh, we'll have a lot of fun with him like last time. Uh, so we'll get into the Lightning Rangers Game 6 defeat. Uh, we'll get into the Lightning Avalanche Stanley Cup preview. The Warriors uh, up 3-2. to two. No thanks to Steph Curry. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Clint Frazier takes shots at the New York Yankees and then gets DFA'd from the Cubs. Not surprising. Uh, we will get into the Panthers and Browns potential nearing a Baker Mayfield trade. Who would have thought that? The Panthers making a trade. And they're not going to have just Sam Darnold. They're going to have Baker. You'll have the one and two. I mean, the one and three in the same draft. How interesting that's going to be as they, if, if this does happen, they'll be, they'll be facing off in practices before the season starts. Might as well just add Josh Rosen to the practice squad and complete the trifecta. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> That would be interesting. Um, Hawks interested in Rudy Gobert. 
I, I expected this, and I, I, I did hear they were interested in uh, Donovan McMitchell, too, because he is uh, Mr. Young's best friend. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be interesting. The two guys that absolutely hate each other uh, looking like they could be traded to the same team. So it, it, there is stories coming out that Donovan, uh, Donovan Mitchell has no chance of going to the Hawks. But nevertheless, uh, you know, Trey Young is one of his best friends. That could happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, who knows? Player power. Yeah. And could Kyrie Irving... And Russell Westbrook be traded in a three-team trade with the Thunder. That is an interesting story, Speedy. Uh, Speedy, I didn't even know this story until Speedy brought this up. Mm-hmm. I just saw it today. And Russell Westbrook will reunite with the Thunder. Kyrie Irving will reunite with LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, yes, and I, I, I want to say this. The Golden Knights finally found their head coach. Mm-hmm. Finally. After this horrible season with the talent that they have in that roster, including a guy that they traded for in the offseason last year, well, finally, well, not in the middle of the season last year, but now the Golden Knights finally have their coach. So that will be interesting moving forward, and he's a great coach in Cassidy. So we'll get into that, obviously, as we move forward in the show. So why don't we get into this Lightning Ranger back-and-forth banter? Because it seems like... Every time throughout this series, I mention the New York Rangers, I got attacked all over social media. Every single time I broke down the New York Rangers in this series, I got attacked by not one, not two, but tens of hundreds of fans on social media. Twitter, Facebook, I don't really use Instagram, but I I, I just, I don't understand why Ranger fans seem... To protect their team when there's a disaster happening during a series. Now, the New York Rangers, throughout this series, had their ups and a lot of downs. Especially those four games of this series. But the first two games of the Lightning Rangers series, the Rangers played great. I mean, they scored girls goals early. They, they scored a ton of goals against... Uh, one of the best goalies in Vasilovsky who looked like he had his head between his legs or something. I, I don't know what the heck was going on with him. That'd be a pretty impressive games. save if they did that. Well, he practically <laughs> did that in game number three and four. But nevertheless, I, I look at this series and all these Ranger fans are like joyful about the Rangers shouldn't have been here. They're one of the youngest teams in the NHL. They're going to be here again. It's not so easy. Year in and year out to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's not. And any Ranger fan that could sit here today and tell me that, obviously don't know hockey. Now, I understand when you, when you look at Adam Fox, you look at Igor Shosturkin, you look at some of these young players like Lafreniere who really grew up as a player, you would see that they have some kind of future to be happy about. But what we saw against a a veteran Tampa Bay Lightning team that won back-to-back championships, that the Rangers couldn't keep up with them when they got tired. This veteran team played one of the youngest teams in the NHL, the second or third youngest team in all of hockey, and outplayed them game number three, game number four, game number five, and game number six. 
And you sit here and you talk about how great Kreider had of a season. We talk about Chris Kreider. 50 more goals, 50 goals that he's never scored in in a regular season in his career. And on back-to-back years where he barely hit 30. A new coach in Gerard Gallant, who really took this team to higher heights. Something that we haven't seen a Ranger coach do in his rookie season. And then you look at itsy-bitsy parts of this team, like the Ryan Stroms of the world, who couldn't score in a mouse net, okay? (laughs) I mean, honestly, Ryan Strom has been open half this series and couldn't put the puck in the net. And then you talk about guys like, I don't know, Truba, who, to me, has been one of the better defensive players for the New York Rangers all season long, making $9 million a year, just completely show, not show up to a series. And you again, all the Ranger fans are saying, well, our defense played very well throughout the playoffs. Let's be honest here. They played the Pittsburgh Penguins. In the first round against a third string goalie. They lost their second string goalie in game number two. They played a third string goalie in game three, game four, game five, game six. They win that series against their number one goalie, and he shouldn't have even played in game number seven. I have no idea. And by the way, Sidney Crosby shouldn't have played in game seven either, which the NHL should definitely look into. They play Carolina, and they play Antiranta, who was an ex-Ranger. The Rangers know very much how to score goals on him. He is a second-string goalie. That's what he is, a second-string goaltender. So you need luck. You need things to fall into place for you as a young team to get where they were. And it did. It all fell together for the New York Rangers. And then they finally played... A top-end goaltender. One of the best best goaltenders in all of hockey. And you can sit here as a Ranger fan and say, well, and we heard Igor's better. We heard that throughout the series when they were in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And if you don't think Vasilovsky didn't hear those chants, I think you guys have something coming. This guy has been one of the best goaltenders, if not the best goaltender, in the last seven years. He has won back-to-back championships to a young goaltender. And listen, Igor Shostarkin had a great season. Had a fantastic season. He's going to win the Venzina Trophy. He's going to be voted as the best goaltender this year. And he's up for a Hart Trophy. He's not winning it by the way, any Ranger fan that thinks that, you're out of your damn mind. He had a great season, a great playoff run after the first round. He played well against Carolina, especially in the later uh, games of that round. And he played very well, even though in the last four games of that series, the Rangers couldn't cut it against Tampa. He played well. But for Ranger fans to sit here today and say, well, we had a great season. We love you guys. We'll be back there next year. You guys obviously don't know the game of hockey. There are very few teams 
Very few. Tampa being one of the greatest teams of this era that can make it back-to-back-to-back Eastern Conference appearances. It's not easy. It isn't. And, And this isn't the same Tampa team from last year or the year before. And by the way, Barry Melrose saying that this Tampa Bay team is better than they were last year is, is, I don't know what the heck. Barry needs to get, you know, figure out what glasses he's wearing. I love Barry Melrose. I met him. I, I think he's a great guy. Really knows his hockey. But for him to say that this Tampa team is better than it was last year, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to believe. There are, well, five players that you know, obviously are playing for different teams. One right. of them that played for the Rangers that didn't really play in the series because of injury, Goudreau, who's a very big, important face-off winner for, throughout the playoffs for them last year. Okay? Yeah, he's a good player. And, and uh, honestly, he's better than any of the players that they brought in in free agency this year. But to say that this team, this Tampa Bay team is better than last year's, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say no. Yeah, I wouldn't know if they, I don't know if they would say better, especially with more familiarity too with a lot of those guys that they did end up trading before the Rangers had their kid line that that did well for them this year. Tampa had that in 2015 with Gord and Tyler Johnson, and now a lot of those guys are traded as well, including like you said, Goodrow. Yeah. All right, we have our first guest, and you guys know him as the Beef. What's going on, Mike? What's up, man? How are you guys? We are good, and you know we're talking about your Rangers, and why not get into it with a Ranger fan? Of course. Well, the reason why you got attacked on social media is because you called all Ranger fans to lose them. Uh, and they are. How could you They're say? Not, 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 not all Ranger fans are delusional. All right, all right. So tell me why you think Ranger fans aren't delusional. I, w- I want to hear this. Cause... No, no. I said... No, I said not all. Some are, but some aren't. So what makes you not delusional as a Ranger fan, thinking that when you posted up saying that we had a great season, happy about my team, and looking forward to they next did. year for great they, things? You, so you're saying they didn't have a great season? They had a good season, yeah. Okay, so they had a great season. They weren't even predicted to make the playoffs by a lot of ESPN But that's not – but who cares what it ESPN says? Dude, it doesn't matter. ESPN said that the, that the Islanders are going to win the Stanley Cup. I don't so did Sports Illustrated. So did a Hockey Digest. And where did the so Islanders did you, land? Did you, did you honestly think the Rangers were going to make the Cup? I mean, at the Cup, the playoffs. I told you you did. He did. I told you I did. Yeah. I said there were. I said there were. There were a borderline playoff team. That's what I said. I picked the Rangers, and I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers are third or fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. They were the second seed. I said it in the beginning of the season, and you know why? Because when you get a new coach. And you get a guy that actually knows how to play defense and coach defense. That's what happens. Now teams are going to know how to play the Rangers next year. Do you think Chris Kreider is going to have a 50-goal season next year? He's no, not. He's not have, he'll have 30. Oh, he didn't have a 30. He didn't have 30 the year before that. He had 25. Have he'll have 30. What makes you so sure that he's going to have 30, 30 goals? And that's why I told, and this is why I'll say it again for the Rangers. Chris Kreider had his best season. I would move him in the offseason and get as much back as I can get for him. I wouldn't move, I wouldn't move him right now. I keep the team together and try, and try to do whatever Keep the you team together. To they get old. And then you're not going to be able they're to move They're not old. They're, they're all in their 20s. They're Are, the youngest team in the NHL. Not Chris Kreider. He's old. He's going to be 31. Um, not Kreider, but everyone else is young. Zabitajad's going to be what, 29, 30? Uh, no, you have, yeah, Panarin's going to be 30-31. Yeah, these guys are, 
They're getting up in age, and they're making a lot of money. Yeah, Zabanjad was 25 when they traded for him, Beef. So he's going to be Chris Crouch is making, what, $8 million a year? Yeah. All right, Zabinijad's making, what, $9 million a year? His, his is lower, seven and a half, actually. All right, so that's a good deal. I would keep Zabinijad. Yeah. How much is Panarin making? Panarin this year was making million. 12 and I think other years, 11 and a half. So. I think... I think I think he's the third most paid player in the NHL. Panarin, fourth, I believe. yep, fourth in fourth. terms of average annual now, value. Now I love Panarin. I think he's a great player. Honestly, sitting here today, do you think Panarin is worth twelve million dollars? The way he played this season, no. No, hold on one second. He had a great season. He did. I don't know. He didn't have a great. Season. Why? Because he, he didn't score a lot of goals. He had. He led twenty four goals. He twenty four, twenty five goals. But who cares? He he was like fourth or fifth in the league with assists. Mm-hmm. He was one of the best passers in the league. How could you Whoa. say that's the most assist that any Rangers had in, since the Brian Leach era? I understand that, but to me, I don't think Panarin played up to his level that he usually plays up to. Uh, Panarin had was- a fantastic season, and, and and but I don't think he's worth twelve million dollars. He's not Connor McDavid. No. no, he's not John Tavares. He's not Matthews. Well, um, John Tavares I is a better he... player, dude. He is. John Tavares is getting old, but let's look at John Tavares' numbers this year. He and by the way, he was not healthy all season long. John Tavares was then, not healthy. Yeah. And, what is his numbers? Mean? Missed, and, and how many games did Panarin miss this year? He missed a lot of games. No, he didn't. He played a lot this year. I, I think he played more games than we saw him play last no, year. He missed. He, he missed that whole what two or three weeks with the whole Russian scandal. Twenty-seven uh, points. Uh, that was two. That was last year, Beef. That wasn't this year. That was last year. Twenty-seven goals. Year. You mean not twenty-seven? Yeah. Points. No, no. I didn't get. I didn't get to that. Uh, twenty-seven goals, forty-nine assists, seventy-six total points. How many? How many games? He played seventy-nine games. Who? John Tavares. Yep. Really, I, th- I thought he—I th- I thought he played more. Yeah, no, he, they weren't expecting him to come back at the beginning of the season because he had that so gruesome leg injury. How many points did he have? Seventy-six. Seventy-six points. How many did Panarin have? Panarin had ninety-six. Ninety-six. Twenty-two goals, seventy-four assists. So Panarin had a better Panarin had a better season than Tavares, but Tavares was not playing. He wasn't playing healthy. I know that for a fact. Right, because he had that gruesome leg injury in leg the playoffs injury, last yes. year. He was not one hundred percent healthy all season long. But even 76 for John Tavares, I thought he had less. I, I thought Tavares had a little bit oh. less than that. You know, but, but Marin had 90-something points. How could you say he had an offseason? He almost had 100 points. How many players in the NHL had 100 points this year? 10? Yeah, if even. Cause... I, I mean, but he's not worth He's not worth $12 million. There are maybe five players in this league that's worth $12 million. Five. Do you know who they are? Connor McDavid, oh, Austin yeah, Matthews, Speedy. You Nathan know the other McKinnon. three: Nathan McKinnon, Nathan McKinnon. Would you uh, would you say Kucherov when he's healthy? Kucherov and Drysaddle and Drysaddle, and right. two of those guys are on the same team that lost in the Western Conference Finals because they have no goaltending. So to sit here today That's as awesome. a Ranger fan, honestly. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not taking shots at the Rangers. I just can't stand the Ranger fans attacking me on social media. I can't stand well, it. No, it had nothing to do with my post. They Last year when the Islanders got eliminated in game number seven by a shorthanded goal, which should have been ta- should have been called for a penalty because they had too many men on the ice, they had seven players on the ice for the shorthanded goal. It was a proven fact that they did, okay, which they're not going to do that in a playoff game for some reason. Ranger fans were so happy. They posted it all over my social media. Ha, 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 ha. The Islanders lost. Ha, 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 ha. You know what? I didn't even do that to the Ranger fans. Well, you called them delusional. They are delusional. No, they're not. Get out of here. Here's the delusion. All right? 
I don't care if they're the youngest team in hockey. I don't care if they're the second or third youngest team in hockey. To get to the Eastern Conference Finals is not easy. And they went through a third and second string goalie to get there. This is the first goaltender, the first goaltender that they played as a number one goaltender on their team, and they lost. Well, first of all, no one's saying it's easy to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. We all know it's very hard to get that back. I don't know. The Ranger fans kept saying that it's easy. Well, and that they, it's, it's, it's not. Well, it's not tell easy. Tell them that. If they, if they think it's easy, they're out of their damn mind, first of all. Yeah, the NHL playoffs is not a natural progression because we see plenty of no. teams do better as underdogs than favorites. But so that'll be the challenge for the Rangers in, pre- in future years. I can't sit here all day long and, and read off the messages and Twitter accounts that were attacking me. I, I have almost 4,000 people following me on Twitter. Okay, 4,000 people. I had at least, I would say, 50 messages on my DM, on my Twitter. That wow. that I am well, that, I am a Ranger hater. That I can't. Delusional. They don't even go. They're not even on my Facebook. Nah, well, because you you made a post and you called them delusional. They are delusional, Mike. Come no, on, no, come on. Not. First of all, not all of them are. Not all of them. All right. So you're going to tell me that you didn't blame the refs in this series, like half the Rangers fans did. On some of the games, yes, I did. Do you think it was the referees or the Wefferwee's fault <laughs> on why it's they didn't make? I should I should drive down to your studio right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, you're, you're gonna take the ghost of Tyler's seats. <laughs> no. He, well, he oh, don't get me started. Way. Don't get me started about that kid either. Do not oh, get me started about that kid on social media. Yeah. Here's why the Rangers lost. They, they 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 got really cocky. They got really confident. They were up two zero. They were up two nothing in Game Three on Sunday, and then all of a sudden they just ran out of gas. They got tired and they they lost all the momentum. That's why they lost. All right. So that's your that's your opinion on why the Rangers lost. Speedy, what was your opinion on why the Rangers lost? I think Game Six they did not possess the puck enough. I think they were Ooh, playing good word possess. Yeah, very. Pe- Passive, is it alive? especially is in it the alive? first period. Is, is, is it possessed? <laughs> that would be funny. It would be like some kind of like voodoo Quidditch thing. But... Maybe it was a ghost. They, maybe it was maybe a ghost. Was, <laughs> maybe it was a ghost on why the Rangers lost. But it seemed like, the, they, especially they, in the first they, period. They, 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 look, they look sluggish. They look slow. They look tired. They just didn't I don't think they look slow they, as much as they were yeah, passive. They There's a difference. Tampa was just as tired. They're a veteran team. No, no, They're one of the they, older teams in the NHL. First they off, are. They had, nine day, they had nine days off. They had a They're day. three best players. Do you, do you know how old their three best players are? Uh, I don't know. They're probably in their 30s. Victor Hedman is about 31 years old. Going to be 32. Stamkos is 30. I think going to be 31. Kucherov, I think, is the same age as Stamkos. Okay. He's yeah, 29, going to be 30 you, or something like that. About, you talk about like two of the top 10 players. They're veterans, man. They, you don't think they're tired? Yeah, he's a little, literally going to turn 29 I in three days. They, they just had nine days off in a row. They, they were well-rested. They Which played, mattered earlier, but not as much later. Speedy, hold on one second. Do you know that no. those, those players played in back-to-back Stanley Cup championships? Yes, I can understand that. So yes. they, they don't have a break. They didn't have a break like the Rangers the last three years that couldn't make the playoffs? I mean, they, they were, played every they, single playoff game you saw, last year. You saw, you saw in the third game three, 
you just saw how the, the Tampa Bay started to get their legs back and they were starting to get back on track. Do you know they didn't even have Braden Point? Do you know that? I understand that. They didn't even have their still... best player, who's been their best player in the playoffs the last two seasons. They didn't even have their that, best player. They're still, they're still, they still have one of the top goalies in the NHL. And oh, but Ranger defense. fans didn't think that. Screaming, Igor is oh. better, okay, which he's not. He's not a better goaltender no one, than Vasilevsky. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he is. He's just does not. He potentially, does he have potential to be? Yeah, he could be better. Than there him. are a lot I'm of really goaltenders sure. that have pose- a potential to be better than Vasilevsky. Of course, of course, no one's saying. But that, potential but. doesn't mean that they are. But to sit here and tell me Igor didn't play well, that, that, I didn't say that. Good. Did I, to Speedy? Did I say Igor didn't play well? No, you did not. I did not. I didn't say that. He he had one bad game against Tampa, and that was it. Yeah, game five, soft goals. Yes, yes. he was, gave up no, two when, really soft goals. When, he gave when up. They lost, when they lost four to one like, in game number four, six, both six. goals no, against Steven Stamkos. Those were soft goals. I'm sorry, they were. It was game. It was game four when they lost four to one. I, I don't think he really played bad in game four, though. I think game five was his worst one because those those were no, all soft wasn't. goals. Even though he only allowed two goals, those were only soft goals. He made some good tough was, saves in game four I was, too. I was at game five. He played very well in game five. Yeah, I was just yeah, saying the goals he allowed. But you know were who he blamed soft. it on? You know who Mike pl- blamed it on? The referees, right? Oh, you you blamed in that, it in that game. No, I blamed them on Game Six when I thought that. No, no, no! You were at Game Five and you blamed the Waffleese. You did. I know what you did because you called me after the game and you told me this is the referees' fault. The referees missed so many calls. You did. You said it. You did. They did miss. Yeah, right. You did. Yes, you did. They did miss. They did miss calls on that. All right, so don't take don't take back what you said because you did. Hold on. That's because Kako got put in the freaking headlock and the referee was staring right at him and blowing a whistle. Referees don't catch break. everything. Ref- referees don't catch everything. I'm not, I'm Do you think the referees... Listen, I, I, I'm not bringing up... and I, I see Jeff and, and, and Snug saying, oh, here he goes, bringing back the Islander. The Islanders gave up a shorthanded goal with seven guys on the ice, which cost them the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Stanley Cup championship. Now, if, if the referees caught that... Maybe it's zero zero and the Islanders win in overtime. Maybe, maybe, but maybe, but, but it but, didn't. It didn't happen that yeah, way. But but here's the problem: Toronto hates New York. Whether it's the Rangers, oh, or the stop it, Toronto! No, 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 no. There's a conspiracy against. Oh, New York. a conspiracy theory now, huh? Yes. Yep. Hundred percent. You know, is Jesus Christ going to come out of the ice? Is that the <laughs> conspiracy theory? Well, I mean, seriously, maybe he should. Maybe he shouldn't smack the shit out of those stupid Canadians. All right. We, 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 I told you no cursing on this show. I said stupid. <laughs> yeah, you said something else. Yeah, you said something else. <laughs> you said, yes, you I, did. Uh, yes, you did. It slipped out there, say? mister. I said stupid. I didn't say it. No, no, you did. But okay. All right. Go back and listen to the I, tape. I think you need to go back and listen to the tape, buddy. But well, And I, you need to I, go back and I'm listen to what you said after game number five. I did. You're right. The, the, and I'm right I'm about this, what you said. I'm also I'm right about a, the nasty I'm Ranger fans. Oh, stop it. Here we go. We have gone into this before. We've talked about this. I, I don't go to Madison Square Garden anymore because of I the Ranger fans. There's a reason. So come, so come with me to a Ranger on the game next year, and I guarantee you nothing will happen. Oh, you think I'm afraid of – hold on one second. You think you're going to protect me at a Ranger game? You do realize that I'm 230 pounds. 
Okay? I don't know how much you I, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm not worried about the Ranger fans. I'm worried about what I'm going to do if a Ranger fan puts their hands on me. Okay? No one's going to do anything to you. Stop it. <laughs> Listen, and I've said this to Speedy the other day. The Ranger fans can get nasty. And, and I didn't do anything wrong. To calling them delusional is not something that you can attack me all over social media thinking that I'm hating on the Rangers. I said the fans. I didn't say the Rangers. The Rangers had a great season. They were fantastic. They well, that's were. You got attacked. No, 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 no. Well, so I have to sit there on social media and say, oh, my God, the Rangers are special. They've got a special team for the future. Oh, my God. Adam Fox. He's a fox. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Igor Shosturkin. Oh, my God. I want to have his babies. I mean, come on, man. I'm not going to sit here and and just, you know, blow their heads up. They had a great season. If you would have worded it different, maybe you wouldn't have got attacked the way you did. Oh, so I have to reword what I say about the Ranger fans. no, if you didn't call them. To I would maybe. love, I would have loved a Ranger fan to do that to me, what he did to that Lightning fan. I would have loved oh, it. That was disgusting. Disgraceful. Yes, everything. Everything you could think of. Yes, 100%. That was, there's no reason for that at all. Whatever. Shouldn't have been done. It shouldn't have been done, and it was done. And it shows, and I'm not, I'm not blaming the Rangers because it's not the Rangers' fault. They don't control their fans. I I blame Madison Square Garden because there's not enough security there. I will blame James Dolan on that. (laughs) There's not enough security. I've gone to these games. I've been to Nick games. There's not enough security in that facility, especially in a playoff game when you know it's going to be packed and you know you're crazy, crazy Ranger fans drinking. Well, first of all, there was something wrong with that guy. Oh, something, he was drinking. That's what what was wrong with him. He probably no. Wasn't. There was there was more of that because he was punching up the Ranger fans too. Supposedly yeah, one of the witnesses story. got knocked out too. There was there was a story that came out that that guy, from the moment he walked into the garden, he was looking for a fight since period one. Hmm. Since the game started, he was looking for something. I I again so. I I don't know the guy. He's from Staten Island. I hope they locked this the key. Is, I hope they locked the key away. It's disgraceful. What I what I heard was he was being very nasty to all the people in Tampa jerseys and even to Ranger fans throughout the whole game. He was just being, you know, I'm not going to say it on air, but he was being, you know what? I got and, it. We we all know what and, he was being. And he from period one to the end of the game, that's how he was being. And then I guess he just decided that. To let it out on that poor innocent man that that, that did absolutely nothing. Wrong. His head was down when he got sucker punched in the side of his head. I know it was. There was no reason for that. And if I and if I would have saw that, I would have tackled his ass too. Hmm. Well, again, and I'm I'm going to finish up with the Rangers and and finish up. Uh, you know, obviously First speaking. All, I mean, they had they had a great season, and hopefully they can get back there next year. Hopefully, be very nice. Hopefully, hopefully. That's Hopefully. all. Well, now that's... remember, the Rangers don't have a lot of money to spend in the off season. They're going to lose no, players. That... Hold on, let me they say let me let me say something before you cut in. They're going to probably lose. And we saw Gerard Gallant had no interest in bring, bringing in uh, in game number six Capocaco. He had him. He had well, him sitting. That was a huge mistake. Well, he's going to be gone because Gerard Gallant's coming back next year, and he obviously doesn't think Capocaco fits uh, in that roster on that roster. Well, so he'll probably be gone. They're going to have to decide what they're going to do with Ryan Strom and Cobb. And Cobb. Well, okay. Strom can, t- Strom can take a walk, so that's fine. Well, but, but the, he likes Strom. 
He likes Ryan Strom. You don't, but you're not you're not Gerard Gallant. You're not Chris Jury. No, and if I was Chris Jury, I had this team. I would have this team in a different direction. What I'm trying to say here, Beav, and I'm going to be quite honest with you. There are many teams that have a lot of money this offseason that they're going to be able to spend I money. I understand that. Uh, and, and, and we spoke about this. We did, but I haven't spoke about this on, on the show. I, I maybe spoken right about this with you. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the Eastern Conference right now, now Pittsburgh's going to lose a lot of players. They're, they're going to be a dead team. I don't know about dead team. They're just not They're not going to be as good. They're going to have Sidney Crosby. They're going to lose Malkin. They won't make the playoffs. They won't make the playoffs. Maybe not, the but fine. they're going to have money to spend. That doesn't make them a bad okay. team. It just means the division's good. So, Carolina's going to have money to spend next year. Washington will have money to spend next year. The Islanders will have money to spend next year. The Devils will not because of all the money that they put in, invested into the two defensemen that they brought in, especially Hamilton last year. Yeah. What a good season, by the way. Uh, Columbus will have money. Philadelphia, because they didn't re-sign Claude Giroux, they're going to have money. Florida will have no money. They, they're... they're I think they have... They're right at the brink, like yeah, 1.6 or something. And, they, and supposedly they're probably going to re-sign Gerard Garou. Well, let's see that. <laughs> um, Toronto's going to be looking to trade maybe one or two players in the offseason. Um, Boston will have money in the offseason because they don't. Uh, we don't know where they're going. They might They might decide to trade Brad Marchant. Uh, I, who knows? Buffalo will have money. Detroit will have money. Ottawa will have... Uh, Ottawa's a talented young team. Yeah. They're going to be really good. Uh, they're going to have money. And, and and Montreal obviously have the number one pick. They're gonna have money. So if you think if you think and sit here today and think that the Rangers are gonna be the two C going into the playoffs next year, I don't know about that. Um I, I think they're they they're they showed that they have great, great goaltending. They absolutely do. There's no question that Igor Shosturkin is going to be one of the top five goalies in the NHL for the next ten years. But so are four other guys. Most I mean, likely if he st- if he stays healthy, yes. And you don't need a and you don't need a a, um, a top end goaltender to win a Stanley Cup. We've seen this. You don't. You need good goaltending, but you don't need a top end goaltender to win a Stanley Cup. And the Rangers well, had a top end goalie; he still can't win. Well, again, they're they're young. They weren't even supposed to be here. So yeah, the Islanders weren't supposed to be in the Stanley Cup uh, Easter Conference Finals last year. Were they? Yes. No, they weren't, and they and they, and they overachieved. So and the year before that, they weren't supposed to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, mm-hmm. but they again, were. Again, Seven seed in the whole city. They overachieved. So yeah, I don't know about overachieve. They did. They played. They played number one goaltenders in those series. The Rangers did not. That's what I look well, at. But but again. But again, you play who's in front of you. you can't absolutely, who, you're absolutely you cannot, right. No question. You cannot control who gets hurt, who doesn't get hurt. You play who's you play who you play, and that's it. Well, Beef, so, thank you. So, so you can't you can't take shots at them. But one I'm more not taking. Go ahead, go ahead. Let's let's hear it. Who? What do you? Who, what players would you sign? Who would you keep for the Rangers? Whoever's free agents. Honestly, who would you keep? I, I I'm yeah. I'm going to do everything I can to re-sign Capocaco. I would do everything and, I can to sign Capocaco. Cobb going who else? Maybe Cobb? Cobb, yes. But I I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be interested in Cobb. Um, He he had a very good uh, second half when he he was traded to the Rangers at the trade deadline. Um, Vetrano, I would try to sign. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're going to be able to. He is a good player. He is a really good player. I know he is. But if you had to pick two, who's the two? Vetrano and Kako. Okay. Vetrano and Kako. But I – because – 
I think Vachano was the best player for the Rangers in the second half for the guys that they traded for. They're going to lose Braun. They're going to lose certain players. Yeah, Mott and Rooney are also free agents as yeah, well. Mott's gone. Yeah, and Rooney's like, gone. Mott's gone. Yeah, no, and Mott had a great playoff, mm-hmm. by the way. He was very yeah, important to the Rangers. Especially penalty kill, so. Mm-hmm. He did. I think Vetrano is a very important piece for the Rangers. I think you do everything you can to bring in Vetrano and, and move Vetrano to the second line with Panarin next year. I think that would be a smart move for the Rangers. I I think Panarin needs a guy like Vetrano, a, a rough a roughneck, a guy that can put the puck in the net and also do other things that the, some of the Ranger players can't. You're not bringing back Reeves either. He's going to be gone too because uh, there will be other teams looking for an enforcer, and he's just not I, – I, I don't know – Obviously, Gerard Gallant doesn't have any trust in him because he, he took him out and he had a scratch. Well, he scratched him. So again, well, I believe Gallant made a mistake, and I'm, I was not very happy with Cockle not playing in Game Six. A lot of Ranger but, fans would say the same thing. He, they, he got attacked, and, and then after the game, he, he said no questions on the Capocacco thing. So, and, 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 I, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Gallant's fired after. Oh no! Come on, Dave. He took a team to the no, Eastern Conference Finals, man. He, they're not firing him. And, and his third, and it, don't be surprised in his third year if he's if they if they no, that, that would be, that would take like a really bad dip for that. To not happen. the Cowboys so coach that I was telling you about. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, don't don't be surprised if it happens. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I'll make that bet with you. <laughs> Who gets fired first, Mike McCarthy or Gerard Gallant? Oh, Gallant is better, better coach. No, the question is who got fired first. There are three-year windows for both of you. Mike McCarthy. Everyone knows I want a Messier behind that bench, and that's that's why I think should have been the coach of the Rangers. I don't know if Messier takes them to the Eastern Conference Finals in his first year. I don't know. Gerard Gallant. Maybe not. I like Mark Messier, too. I liked him, too. I think he should have deserved it, so. All right, Beef. Thanks for calling, right, bud. Keep listening, bud. I will. You got it. Good night. Uh, the Beef from Bayshore. Mm-hmm. Well, not surprising. He already wants to overreact to a coach. Oh, he's a Ranger fan, man. Ranger Meanwhile, fans. the team is the young and not supposed to be there. That, oh, three years later. Oh, well, fire the coach. How about the Lightning and Avalanche Stanley Cup Finals, man? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very high-flying high series with a lot I of speed. I can't wait for this series. I think this is going to be the most open you'll see a Stanley Cup Final in a long time. And it'll be interesting to see which ones will be able to step up when it comes to the grit factor. The Avalanche did it to some extent, but again, I don't know if they needed to do it against the Oilers as much because they're not as big of a team. But they had to do it against the Blues when they needed to. And the Lightning definitely showed their grit in the last two games against the Rangers. They did a great job possessing the puck. Colorado's goaltending? We'll see if it comes through for them too because Darcy Kemper is projected to come back for game one which is a good sign which is a good sign yes. but again it's still going to be a tough offense to go against well, I, I think that this series is going to be probably the the more fun or funner series that we've seen in the Stanley Cup Finals because we I don't even know if funner is a word but nevertheless um, I think it's going to be a fun series to watch two really good offensive teams uh, talented players like McKinnon who I think is one of the the lean green top end uh, players in the NHL that doesn't really get enough respect because he plays for Colorado right. and nobody really gets a chance to watch him as much as they do of guys like Stamkos and Kucherov and even some of the Ranger players. I think this is going to be a fun series. It's going to be back and forth hockey. I think uh, it could be high scoring too. I, but Vasilovsky had a very good you know, last three games of that Ranger series, really shut down a very good offense that was playing very well 
in the Carolina series and early in that series against Tampa. And I also think that both defenses uh, have very talented players. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning have Victor Hedman and the Colorado Avalanche have um, McCarr. McCarr, who who's had a very good season. So I, I think that when you look at this series, I think they're very evenly matched. I think when it comes to goaltending, it will go to Tampa. But the rest of this series could go either way. I think the younger, faster team is the Avalanche. And I think they're the better team. So, And they have four really, really strong lines, even though they lost to Kadri for the whole series. Right. So. Uh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really, really fun to watch. I can't wait for this series. I really can't. Yeah, the the Avalanche have actually have a lot more offensive depth than they've had in years past too. Not necessarily showing in terms of the overall points like you saw with Kadri, but mm-hmm. Arturi Lekin in eleven points, Valerie Nichuskin nine, and some new veteran guys to help out too. Darren Helm, Andrew Cogliano to just get some face. I love that name, Cogliano. Yeah, Cogliano. veteran that was a big part of the Star Stanley Cup run and been a couple big runs for Anaheim in the past too. That definitely is going to help the offensive depth that was a big issue for them in the past, too. And winning face-off as a whole, too. Which the Lightning struggled with against the Rangers for the most part. Yes, Probably besides Game 5, they did. They had a tough time in the face-off dot. And against a team in the Rangers that wasn't good in face-offs in every other part of the season, that might be a concern. And that's going to give Colorado an edge when it comes to that there. But I think... The skill players' perspective, I think they have the edge of the depth-wise. Defensively, it probably still goes to Tampa, right. but it's not by much because Colorado still has Eric Johnson as a good veteran. Bowen Byram was a fourth overall pick three years ago in the Capo Caco draft from mm-hmm. Jack Hughes. He's, he's played well so far, so Colorado's not far behind. It's just a matter of, one, the goaltending, and two, the coaching. Can Jared Bednar outcoach John Cooper? Because he's done a lot of good things so far, but he's also had some questionable calls in some Game 7s in the past, too. The real story is Tampa going to their third straight Stanley Cup Finals. And the last team to do this was the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. They were the last hockey team to do that in the 80s. This is this is a fantastic story. And I, I, I'm looking forward to this because if Tampa somehow pulls this win off, this could be one of the greatest runs we've seen yeah. a team have since the Islanders. Uh, nobody would have thought in this type of hockey, this type of age, that we would see a team win back-to-back-to-back championships. We've seen... Obviously, the Pittsburgh Penguins do win back-to-back uh, championships, but never could get the third. And, and if they win this year, could they go for number four next year? I mean, this is a great story, it, a fantastic story. And anybody could try anybody that ever tried to compare Igor Shosturkin to Vasilevsky is blind. I mean, Vasilevsky didn't have the regular season like Igor Shosturkin did. He was fantastic. But to say that he's anywhere close to the player that Vasilevsky is, if Vasilevsky were to retire right now, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, the other thing, too, is Vasilevsky, how good he was in the playoffs, even early in his career, too, when he was a backup. And that really has shown when it comes to these big game situations, game sixes and game sevens, either advancing or elimination type games, he has an under under like 0.3 goals against average, mm. which is insane. And again, he outplayed Bishop in a couple of postseasons in 2015 and 2016, even before their cup runs to really elevate his status. Then yep. Bishop got traded to LA and then Vasilevsky just took off and ran with it after that. And really has done great things in the postseason. Really, I think besides the end of that Capital Series where they had those two blowout losses in a row where they should have won that series, really there's no other like really bad concerning that you could say, all right, this one is Vasilevsky's fault. He had some duds here and there, but that's really it. All right, who do we have on the phone again? We got Jeff. Jeff, what's going on, bud? Errol, I have absolutely had it. 
with this subset of human beings. These Ranger fans, they're on my last nerve. <laughs> Why? Let's hear this. L let's get a few things straight right now. Ranger fans are trash. That's number one. You've covered <laughs> that base. They're scumbags. Number two, Gore's better. He got body bagged by Vasilevsky. Let's address the third thing. Oh, the Wesleys, they call it. Dude, Lafreniere threw a headshot to Hedman without even touching the rest of his body. That should have been a four-minute penalty, and Lafreniere should have been thrown out the, out of the game. Was a penalty called? No. No. So shut up about the refs. I'm tired of hearing it about the refs. The, Toronto hates us. Toronto saved your bacon. Can you imagine playing half of that game without Lafreniere? You'd have been dead and buried. Okay? Number four, Braden Point. Didn't even play. Didn't even play a second. Imagine what Ranger fans would be saying today if they went through the whole series without Chris Kreider and they won. Oh, oh my God, they'd be rubbing themselves raw. <laughs> oh my God, it would be out of control. They had Tampa Bay shorthanded and couldn't take advantage of it. How many goals they score five on five? How many? Uh, not a lot. Two. Mm -hmm. Two goals. They scored five on five mm -hmm. in six games. You want to blame something? Blame yourself. You stink. You stink. And this is why Ranger fans want penalties called every other second because they're inept and they can't <laughs> score goals five on five. Maybe blame yourself. You want another point? Here's another one. You drafted a kid second overall. Guess what? He blows. That's why he went to the bench. He blows. I, I will say this. Capococco, he didn't have – I mean, in certain parts, in the first two games, Capococco showed up. And, and obviously, as the series started to progressively move forward, you saw that Capococco was not a favorite of Gerard Gallant. And then he scratched him in the final game, which obviously Ranger fans just wanted to attack all over social media. And then at the end of the game, Gerard Gallant should have just answered why he didn't want to play. I mean, the truth is he hasn't played well in this series, and he needed to move – towards bringing in a player that actually fits that roster to try to knock off a Tampa Bay Lightning team that was playing very good defensively throughout this series. They were. It's really, after Game 3, this defense really just woke up. I, this is something that we didn't see early in, in the, the series. And the Rangers should have won Game Number 3. And because they didn't win Game Number 3, they gave life back to Tampa, and that was the ch that was the change of that series. Game number three, when you were up 2-0, to zero, going into the third period. Right, and they choked, and they choked, because Igor's not better. Here's another point for you. Nine days rest. Oh, Tampa had nine days It's because Tampa had nine days rest that they even lost the first game. They were rusty. They were slow. The Rays had the game speed they were using. That rest hurt Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. Hurt them. Mm -hmm. Hurt them. But you know, these mouth-breathing Ranger fans, excuse after excuse after excuse after – it's the referees. It's the rest. It's, uh, you know, uh, oh, we didn't have this guy. Oh, this didn't – oh, Braden Point not being there doesn't matter. We, we were more hurt than Tampa was. It's excuse after excuse and scumbag behavior like we saw at MSG. A group but of that, scumbags. But that's not all the Rangers' fault. It was one guy – that did it. And, and, and was it wrong? Absolutely was wrong. And, and, and it does happen in Madison Square Garden. One of the reasons why I don't go to Madison Square Garden is because I have dealt with so much stuff going to Ranger and Islander games over the years, dealing with people pouring beer on me, dealing with, you know, you know motorcycle riders, you know, that were hanging out over there, starting with me at the food court. I, I, I couldn't get 
over the the way these guys get when they get drunk. So let's let's cover the other point. Mm -hmm. Let's cover the other point. Yeah, let's go. The the, the other excuse. Mm -hmm. Well, here's another. We weren't supposed to be there. Really? You were the number two seed with home ice advantage. What seed was Tampa? Mm -hmm. Three. Three. So you were better than them. So who should be there? No, the Rangers should have been there. And for Ranger right. fans to but say that, going, that's, a, oh, that's an excuse. Be because they're this saying that they're you young signed, and they weren't expected to be there. This is why you re-signed Kreider. This is exactly why you signed Panarin. This is why you went and got Jacob Truba. What did they make all those moves um, in, in the expectation of the eight-year plan? we got to wait eight years before we can go? <laughs> this is why, they, of course, you were supposed to be there. The excuse, oh, we're not supposed to be there? Garbage. Garbage. Why can't for one time... Ranger fans go, ah, you know what? We choked like a dog. Well, I, I don't think Ranger fans are ever going to do that. And the Ranger fans, they should be happy that they had a great season. And and, and, it's, and I said this on the last show. I Ranger fans don't know if they're ever going to be there again. As Josh's father said, cherish the moment while you're there because you don't know when it's going to happen again. Look, the last time they went to an Easter Conference championship was what, 2014, 2015? Where they also lost to the Lightning in seven games. Let, let, let's hope they don't make it there again for, for Ranger fans' sake because they're running out of excuses. They've used them all this time. <laughs> Carl says, Lightning, yes, you're Lightning to Vance again. And uh, Rangers got outworked in games four, five, and six. Definitely and, in game six. Carl, and we, after our guest, we'll talk about Steph Curry because I, I have my only thought. I have a lot of thoughts by, of the, the Steph Curry uh, series so far. And, and by the way, the whole, whole oh, we love Igor thing. How soft was that first goal in Game Six? It was. I said it. How soft? Both of them. Both of them were soft. And it, but soft. I, I, he's a kid, and I know that's what Ranger fans are going to say. But but when you're the best goaltender throughout this this season, and oh, you went through make more excuses. No, I'm not giving them more excuses. But I I'm going to stand who up for. It, who cares what his age is? He was in the game. Mm-hmm. If you're in the game, make the stops. If you're in the game. Then, then you you get the scrutiny you get or the praise you get because he wasn't getting any scrutiny through two series, right? Everyone was like, "Oh my God, we're making this comeback! It's so great, right?" Uh-huh. And now he loses a series, and you know they can't. You know these people are backpedaling so quick they could moonwalk through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Well, most of the scrutiny came in the Penguin series, the first four good, games. That's a good line. Two I of like which that. he got benched in. The Hurricane series, he struggled in one of the games, but then he really started to pick it up as it went along. The only real criticism this series has been just the Game 5 had a lot of softer goals. Game 6, yes, the, the, the first goal definitely was soft. The second one was just kind of weird. It was, it was just off of the guy's leg, and he tried to make a tough save and just couldn't do it, just couldn't hold on, a tough glove save. Uh, again, he... You might have to blame him a little for that, but it's not like it, it's not like it's not like it was something one. that was in his glove and then just trickled in and went off the guy's but, leg. But speedy, but speedy, that first one, Charmin's soft. Oh I, no, I, mean, I agree. I agree with that. Charmin soft. Mm-hmm. He, went in that zone one on three and took a shot between the dots and the right. blue line and outside the dots. Mm-hmm. Is that a puck that should go in? No, not especially when you can see it. So no. And, and, and Steven Stamkos is a great offensive player. We all know who he is. Uh, this guy has been one of the prolific offensive players we've seen in the NHL for the last, I would say, f- seven years. And he's a Hall of Famer. Steven Stamkos is going why, to be a Hall yeah. of Famer. Why do we do this every time? Why can't someone just tip their cap and go, you know what? They were the better they team. They were the better they team. They were easily the better team. They were easily the right. better team. No, Anybody to think that. 
But that's not what we're getting. The people are getting, Toronto hates us. We were shorthanded. Our coach doesn't know. The referees are against us. Like, you get this litany of excuses. Uh, this is why no one likes Ranger fans. This is why you're completely unlikable. Mm. Well, I, again, Carl said it best. Especially game six, the Rangers got badly outworked. Mm. And it seemed like they were passive. They were out of position a lot of the time. Again, I think, they, do with coaching. I, I think when they had the puck, they weren't slow. I don't think it was a team speed issue. I think it was... I think I think it was something where they just were out of position and did not adjust to anything Tampa was doing. They weren't forechecking either. No. They were not forechecking Here, it either. Here's here's another problem that I saw, right? If you if you're upset that Gerard Gallant was juggling the lines, I don't know. Maybe blame your team, right? Because if people make themselves irreplaceable and indispensable, you don't get benched. Right? When you only score two goals, five on five in a whole series, do you deserve to win? Mm. No. Where are any of the Ranger fans saying, you know what? We weren't good enough five on five. We didn't deserve it. No one's saying that. It's a litany of excuses and blaming referees. You know why they blame the referees? Because they couldn't score five on five. They needed the man advantage. So they're begging for calls at every turn, begging for them. But if you call a penalty on the Rangers, oh, it's because they hate us. But meanwhile, the referees who you hate ignored a headshot that was an ejectable offense. Mm. So you wouldn't be a man down. Carl says it was like the Rangers did not know how to cycle the puck, which is absolutely true. And when they did, they were so passive and basic about it. They were taking the most conventional shots, like Mm -hmm. low percentage shots, shots that a great goaltender like Vasilevsky will see coming and not get fooled by. The Rangers were not doing anything creative and... It felt like it was like the Elaine Vino power play all stretched into one game, except it was regular. Except it was five on five. I, I also think that when you, you sit back and and and, um, and we we talked the whole hour about the Rangers because I wanted to get out what we really felt because we're not going to be talking about the Rangers for the rest of the year. The rest of the year, They're, the Rangers are you done. Should never talk about the Rangers. No, again. They we're a New York show. It. This we're, is the eighty-first time in eighty-two years they've been eliminated from the playoffs. They're irrelevant. <laughs> And and listen, I I think that when you look at the Rangers and and the position that they are going into next year, you would expect them to get back to where they were. I just it's not likable. It's not likely that that's going to happen. It it just doesn't happen that way. And for Ranger fans to sit here today and say, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, we had a great season. Oh, we weren't supposed to be there, but we're going to have we're going to really look good next year. I think we're going to have a very good chance to get back where we were. It doesn't happen. It doesn't. Tampa's been the only Eastern Conference team to do that since the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the Pittsburgh Penguins and Pittsburgh Penguins have been a dominant organization really since Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager. It doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen. And for Ranger fans to sit here and say, even the Islander fans, the Islanders got there. They were the recent team to do that back-to-back years. Okay? And you know what Ranger fans were saying after that happened? Oh, they were lucky. They were lucky. They shouldn't have even gotten there because uh, COVID, uh, with the whole round-robin thing, that's why they got there. Because they should have been eliminated before the playoffs because they weren't playing well. Ranger fans only say that about Islander fans because of their extreme jealousy. Because until this year, the Rangers were irrelevant. Just terrible. Just irrelevant. So when they see anyone else having success, they crap on it. Mm. That's what they do. Mm. 
It's a shame. I don't hate the Rangers. I don't, I hate, terrible fan base. I agree. With I, dis, you. I, I don't hate them. I dislike the Ranger fans. I, I, I love the Rangers as a team. I think they're a good, fun team to watch. I think There's they have great goals. Like oh, them. come on. Adam Fox is From, a great player. He's a great owner, player. Terrible. Yeah, he's a terrible yeah. owner. He is. But their team, the colors of their jerseys, their <laughs> stupid faces, their fan base. There's Thank you, nothing Jeff. likable about them. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, for calling. We'll I talk to you later. Absolutely, I absolutely love last year when Tom Wilson picked up Panarin and dumped him on his mullet. <laughs> Good. Call back later when we get into the Celtics. Thank you, Jeff. All right, enjoy, boys. <laughs> oh, Jeff from Tampa. Oh, man. I, I will say this. Uh, he's not wrong. I, I wouldn't try. First of all, I, I wouldn't attack any Ranger player. And, and I, I'm, I don't dislike the Rangers as a team. I, I don't. If the Ranger fans weren't as crazy as they are, I wouldn't hate the Rangers. I wouldn't dislike the Rangers. But the Ranger fans is what makes me just dislike them because they, they think that they're better than everybody else. No matter how good they are or how good they play they're always, or, or how bad they play, the other team, the other New York team, how many, t- how many years have been the Ranger fan? And by the way, I'm not going to mention names before we get to our guest. But a Ranger fan hit me up on Facebook and told me, don't talk about the Rangers. You don't know nothing about hockey. And then I came back to him and I said, in the last 10 years, what do you think the Islanders record? And I never even brought up the Islanders. He, he, he crapped on the Islanders. And I said... What is the record that the Islanders have against the Rangers in the last 10 years? And he doesn't even know. I don't know anything about hockey, but I knew it. I'd be amazed if the Rangers won five games. No, they did. They're the, in the like last 10 years. Five ye- and 17. And no, in the last 10 years, the Islanders have a 24-18-6 and six record against the New York Rangers. I'm surprised it's even that. I'm surprised and the Rangers won, even won in, that many games. And by the way, they won five of those overtime games, yeah. just so you know. Uh-huh. Just so you know. Okay, so just to, and that's really more wins because they counted as a tie. They, they, right. They, but it, it, it's it's win because it goes to shootout. Yeah. So to sit here today and tell me that the Rangers have had a, a better success, you know, against the Islanders in the last ten years, go look at the numbers. It's not even true. And the Islanders have been into the play. The Islanders have made the playoffs more than the Rangers have in the last six years. So it just tells you what organization is moving forward. And the Islanders didn't have a good season this year, but it had a lot of you know rough spots mm-hmm. because of no home games, eleven thousand miles uh, traveling in, in the first month, and then obviously uh, the COVID situation. But that's not an excuse. The Islanders just crapped out, and that's why they fired the coach. Anyways, when we come back, we'll be talking to Baylor freshman offensive lineman Tate Williams here on the Sports Limehouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, which is Apple. WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. All day today, I've had problems with my toe, man. I, 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 I think I have an ingrown toenail. I don't know if anybody's had an ingrown toenail. They are the, it is the worst 
when you wear a certain certain sneaker and it rubs against the side of your shoe. Have you ever had an ingrown toenail? No, I have not. You've never had an ingrown toenail? No. I, I, I'm sure our guest definitely has had an ingrown toenail. He's a big guy, but uh, I, it is... It is the worst feeling. And I, I've never had plantar fasciitis, but uh, somebody told me that plantar fasciitis is even worse than an ingrown toenail. If it is, I, I wouldn't want to experience it. But I know a bunch of uh, – Joe Kim Noah experienced the hmm. plantar fasciitis. So did uh, – I think it was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. There's a lot of football players I know that have had it. I think Julio Jones had it. Oh, too. yeah. I don't. I've never had it, but an ingrown toenail. It is the worst feeling in the world. And I, I, I've gone to doctors, and I, I've tried to pick them out myself. You try to dig them out. You got to get into the skin to get this thing out of here. It, it hurts so much, man. And it feels like it's bruised, but it doesn't look like it's bruised. So it's, it's the worst feeling. Anyways, uh, I don't. I don't want to make anybody sick for what I was saying. But anyways, that's. That's how you know, you got to get into things. It's a sports radio show. Anyways, we are now talking to our friend, Baylor freshman offensive lineman, Tate Williams. Tate, what's going on, bud? Oh, not much. How y'all doing? We are good, my friend. Uh, we haven't spoken to you in two years. It's been a long two years. Uh, you were a top recruit. How you been over there in Baylor? Oh, doing all right. Just getting to work down here. Hot west, hot east central Texas, wherever we're at down here. But uh, you know it's it's been coming together coming together well. Uh, team's looking good. Everybody's everybody's meshing together well, including the new guys that just came in. Got a couple new old linemen that are looking good and pretty good guys. So what is it like, obviously playing with guys the same size as you? When you come from high school, you're the biggest guy. You're the strongest guy. Uh, you throw around guys like they're like towels, and then you go over there and you're playing college uh, football with arguably some of the best players in the country and they're doing it to you what is it like playing with guys the same size as you definitely an ego check coming from a coming from a small school you're kind of on top of the world and then uh you know you get here and everybody's just as good or better than you but uh you know it's also a lot of incentive to work harder you want to be that guy that you were two years before i think it's a good thing because uh, it makes you want to be better and want to be the best. So you had a memorable first season at, at Baylor, even though you didn't play a lot. Uh, Big 12 champions you guys were. They beat yes. Oklahoma State, kept them out of the college football playoff. Very close, on, right at the one-yard line. Um, Jalen Warren almost ran it in for the upset, or for, for, for sealing the deal at that point. So what was that? just some of the memories of that season like? You know, that was uh, last season was something else. Um, you know, I, I think everybody on the team being so close played a big part in it. Um, you know, everybody was able to count on count on each other, both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, especially after that Big 12 game, uh, the, the energy was just electric. And uh, um, I don't know, it, it was definitely something I'll never forget. As everybody knows, we are talking to Baylor freshman offensive lineman Tate Williams. Now, obviously, Tate, a lot of these offensive linemen, even the the ones in the NFL, they don't speak a lot. Uh, nobody really has that sh- crazy personality. And Makai Beckham, obviously, over here in New York, he's he's been the quiet one, and that's why people get upset. What type of player are you on the field? Are you a guy that likes to speak, or likes to be the comedy? clown in the locker room for the offensive lineman. I mean, that offensive uh, line when it comes to being in that, that room together, who is the funny guy, in, uh, you know, in that room? And are you one of those guys that are going to be that leader type of guy that's not going to care and just be yourself type of person? You know, I think the 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 comedian of the group would have to be Mose Jeffrey. Um, he, he plays left guard, and uh, I think he's going to come in for Xavier Newman this year. But, you know, he's – 
he's he's a pretty pretty funny guy. He's always got some joke to come in with, and uh, just got a real real light personality. Um, always got something funny to say. And uh, you know, me in general, uh, I, I I tend to be more like the uh, kind of the hype man, uh, kind of really? keep people rolling whenever we're uh, you know we're getting into a tough workout or a tough summer grind. Um, I, I try to be the one to pick people up and keep them going. So speaking of personality, your coach definitely has a lot of it too. And Dave Aranda carrying over from the <laughs> LSU national championship team where he was the defensive coordinator, very fiery guy. So what is he like as a coach? And is there any Dave Aranda stories that not a lot of people know about? You know, coach, coach Aranda is a, a really, really good guy. And I, I respect him as a coach and as a person. And, uh, you know, he, he talks a lot about, you know, person over player and works on making us better men uh, rather than just focusing on football. And I think that's something that's extremely important. And it, I think it helps, it helps bring the team together. It also helps to be better football players. And, um, you know, we, we, we do stuff in the community. We, um, uh, he's always working. He's always got activities for us to do like team bonding stuff. And, um, you know, I think that uh, coach Aranda's definitely got a good thing going. We are talking to Baylor freshman offensive lineman Tate Williams, a friend of the show. We haven't spoken to him for two years, and that's why I told Speedy, you know, when you get a chance, go reach out to some of the young recruits that we interviewed years and years ago and, and see how they're doing because their their future is starting to move forward. The COVID-19 situation uh, has slowly disintegrated a little bit. Now, you know, who knows? But uh, all in all, I, I'm looking forward to the new football season, and uh, hopefully – uh, maybe Baylor is one of those teams in the top 25 or top 15 that might have a chance to uh, go into that that playoff one way or another. I mean, they've always been a good offensive team over the years, and uh, the problem with them over the years in, in certain aspects is as is the defense has fallen apart, you know, and especially in the second half. Hopefully, as with a new coach and a new uh, a, a new set of, of defensive players uh, that could change everything. So why don't we get into your team? And, and obviously going into the offseason, uh, you, I think you're ranked. I think your team is – where are they uh, powered to be They've this year? They ranked five at the end of last year. No, what are they gonna, what are, going into next year? What, what are, they, are they in the top 15? I think they might be. I think Baylor is in the top 15. But uh, looking at your team as a whole in the recruitment class, coaching – where do you see your team this year? I think it really all depends on uh, on what we put together this summer and then coming into fall camp. Rankings don't mean anything until you can show Absolutely. it on the field. I think this summer everybody's everybody's kind of put last season behind us and you know everybody's working real hard this summer to be the best we can be. So overall plan for this next year is just you know come out and show the world that Baylor's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, does not look like they were top 15. Going into this coming year? Going into this season. All right. Um, well, 18, 18, 18. Okay. Uh, 18. Well, they're in the top 25. Yep. And, and, and as, as, as you heard, Tate, it, it doesn't matter where right. you rank them because we've seen teams be ranked 20th and 25th and they go all the way in the top five, top four and make the playoffs, AKA, uh, one team that did it this year, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So I was and, say Cincinnati came in. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody even looked at them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they were 20 or 21st. Right. You know? So, so speaking of Cincinnati, your your conference is getting an overhaul in the next couple of years. So you're oh, yeah. going to be losing Texas and Oklahoma. They're going to the SEC. And now Cincinnati and Houston and BYU are coming in and UCF. So, I mean, do you think this will help the conference out? Are you looking forward to the potential growth of this conference now, even though there's other ones that might be some of the powerhouses? You know, I mean, I think it's I think it's all a, 
I mean, it's it's no big deal. I mean, we play we play BYU on our schedule anyways. Uh, we played them last year, and uh, you know, that's a heck of a football team there. But uh, you know, everybody everybody that that's coming in, I think it's just a just a deal for to make the Big Twelve a bigger conference. Um, you know, SEC, they want to be up in, I guess, up in the SEC status. So, uh, you know, you pull some of these better teams in there and, you know, in hopes that we can, you know, I guess compete, not really compete with them because we compete with them, but uh, um, just be on their level. When you look at all the teams in college football right now, and obviously some of these players are making money, which I've been pleading for for the last five years that I think college ball players should be making money off their own name. What are your thoughts? I mean, obviously you're still a freshman. You, you still haven't started yet, but you're going to get your chance one way or another. That's why they brought you there to Baylor, a top school. Uh, do you believe that players and young players should be getting paid for their names and, and what they have done uh, to get to the position that they're in as a college football player? I believe so. Yes. I think it's uh you know, I think there's a line that's got to be drawn, um, you know, specifically with high school guys. Um, I don't think it should be used as a recruiting tool, but I think that once you get there, I think you should be able to use, you should be able to profit off of your name. Being a college athlete, you can't run a business. You can't run a social media business, which is big now. Uh, influencers are making a lot of money, but as being a college athlete, you can't take any of that from, you know, YouTube or Instagram, TikTok, any of that. You can't just, it was an NCAA rule, but now I think that opens a lot up. And, you know, this hat I got on, I'm sponsored by this company. This buddy of mine in high school started this up and he's doing pretty well off of it. And I think it's a, I think it's a good deal overall, um, just because it is a full-time job. You know, we, we spend hours and hours of our, our lives and, put, put our heart and soul into this and, you know, why not be able to make a little bit off of your name? Mm. Whereas, I mean, you can't have a job outside. So you're living stipend check to stipend check with nothing extra to do. So talk about that company, Double B Hat Company. You got the, uh, you got the bowl on that, uh, I like on that. that hat. I like that hat. Yeah. A, a little, a, a little blue of, a little blue of Texas because te- that's how Texas football usually ends up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, talk, talk about that company and maybe even some other NIL deals that uh, you've been, uh, involved with if you have any more already so this hat company here is buddy mine from high school his name's bryce asher and uh he started it up a few years ago and i mean usually selling just a few hats and i mean he's actually doing pretty well Twenty thousand on instagram now good for him and uh sponsored a couple country artists and he's doing pretty well for himself and i'm i'm happy for him i i've been working with him to help promote it and you know do all this and Made a lot of good friends through that. If you want to look him up on Instagram, it's your WB Hat Company. Good group of people. His family's great people. Never had issues with him. He's always treated me well. And actually, he just graduated high school this year. And, good for him. And he's had this hat company going for two years now. Uh, so pretty entrepreneurial kid. And he's doing he's doing great with him. Well, it, having somebody like you support what he does and, and what he's doing moving forward after graduating from high school and being an entrepreneur is the only way you know to make successful money in these days i mean working for people just doesn't usually work but you know obviously uh, a person like you that is slowly but surely becoming a player and hopefully soon to be a star in baylor uh, it could absolutely help his brand and move his brand into higher heights so um as everybody knows we are talking to baylor freshman offensive lineman tate williams uh tate what is it like, uh, obviously, playing on national TV and, and television? And, and you're, Baylor's on national TV. They were on a couple of times on ESPN this year. Uh, they were on CBS a couple of times this year. 
What is it like? I know obviously you're not playing, but getting the chance to see your team uh, have the opportunity to be on national t- TV and you being a player in the future to have a chance to do that. What is it like actually experiencing that? Well, you know, believe it or not, um, so I grew up on a cotton farm, uh, West Texas, and, you know, our harvest season is right in the middle of football season. So I'd get home from a high school game and, you know, go straight to the farm in the morning and get to work. The first time I'd ever been to a college field was when I walked on the field during the summer after I showed up at Baylor because we never got visits or anything like that because I was a COVID year recruit. So the first time I'd ever been to a college football game, I was in pads in the green and gold. But, you know, it's it's actually a pretty surreal experience when you got, especially at home, at home we got 50,000 people um, screaming and hollering the whole time and cameras in your face. And, but, you know, it's, it's a little intimidating at first, but, you know, it turns into, it turns into a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, us, you know, just being on the sideline, I got to travel with the team for most of the games. And, you know, there's a group of us that were, we were really just the hype man. I mean, we stood on the sideline and, um, you know, if something goes bad, we keep the energy up on the sideline. And, you know, I think, I think just having that, uh, especially with all the teammates that, you know, weren't weren't playing. It was probably 20 or 30 of us that wow. would get together and just wave towels and get everybody excited and, you know, kick off, punt return, whatever goes out, gets in the pit, get ready. <laughs> I mean, we'll go over there and juice them up a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it actually made you feel like you were playing a part in something. And, um, you know, especially just being a redshirt freshman last year or just a redshirt last year. It's a lot of fun. So you mentioned the farm. I just, I just want to bring up this fun fact. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Jordy Nelson was, when he was in the NFL, his family still made him do all the farm shifts that he was scheduled for during the offseason. Like, they would not <laughs> let him miss it. And he did not miss a single one, even with all the money he got, all the stuff he had to do during his career. So just interesting you brought that up. So off the field so far in your time at Baylor, have you had any interesting experiences there so far? And what if so, what are they? Well, I actually just bought a house. Wow, look at you. Very nice. Nice. Entrepreneur. Just, <laughs> just signed the papers today. Yes, sir. Good for awesome. you. Going to get stuff moved in this week. Going to rent out some of the other bedrooms. And, you know, I live in one of them. And it's a it's a four-bedroom house. So Good it'll be a neat you, deal. Man. Good for you. That's a great story. I, I, I Being that you're, what, 19 years old, 18 years old, and you own a house already? I don't own a house, and I'm 40. So, <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's a sensational story. Good for you, man. I, I I, when you hear stories like that, young kids doing that, some kids are just scared. They, they don't want to take that that move, especially the way the economy is and what's going on in the world. People don't want to take that jump. But for, to see a young kid like you, 18 years old, taking a jump like that, that's a sensational story. Good for you, man. Absolutely. Well, you know, it it, it kind of just makes sense. You know, it's it's either you, you spend seven eight hundred dollars a month, right. you know, shoving it to a landlord. Absolutely. Or you scrape up enough money for a. 10% down payment on something. And then, uh, you know, you, that money you're spending every month is just investment back into yourself. So smart kid, man. What do you go to school for? Uh, marketing and entrepreneurship. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, maybe you come in, maybe, uh, when you, you're done graduating and if you're not in the NFL, which you probably will with your size and your ability, uh, you know, we'll set something up and you can market us. So what do you think about that? Sound like a plan? I think it. I think it sounds like a plan. I mean, but anyways, we are talking to Baylor freshman offensive lineman Tate Williams. Tate, uh, I, I look at the game, and, and the game is completely changing. Not only the NFL, but college football, and and and, and some of these new rules, I just don't get. And and I think college football is so much more 
interesting to watch, uh, especially with the 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 one foot you know in to score a touchdown. You, you need two feet in in the NFL. I mean, obviously the game is a lot faster. There's a lot more talent in the NFL. When you look at the game as a whole, coming from high school now to college football, what is the the differences? What what is what do you like with the new rules, and what do you not like as a college football player? So we actually just had a presentation today uh, in our team meeting. We had a Big 12 referee in there explaining some of the new uh, uh, new rules and stuff that they'd brought out. And, uh, you know, they're going to next year, they're going to be – the uniforms are going to be more like NFL stuff hmm. where you can't have any skin showing below the knee. Hmm. So you're going to have to wear tights or long socks and then, uh, you know – they couldn't do that this year because there'd just be a shortage of tights and socks and not everybody be able to be able to get them. But uh, uh, the other thing is you got no blocking below the waist uh, on the defensive side of the ball, unless you're a D lineman on an initial charge offensive line, you can't block below the waist mm. more than one yard downfield. And then inside the tackle box, that's the only place you can do it. Wow. So wow. no pulling, pulling guards can't cut anymore. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's just a, it's, I think it's just an injury precaution. Do you like it? Do you like the new rules? I'm not a fan of the cover everything below the knees. And I think it's football starting to turn into more of a, like a softer game. Go ahead. Say it flag football. That's what it yeah. is. <laughs> I'm just a fan. I, I ran that triple option high school stuff. So, you know, we're veer type offense and we're low and fast all the time. You know, we get up on the second level, cut a linebacker down. And that's just what I've always known. And I think it's just getting the world's coming away from that. So how much have you had to change your practice, your blocking technique as a result of these new rule changes? Not really as a result of the new rule changes. It's just playing, you know, real football, <laughs> uh, you know, coming from high school. I love my head coach and, you know, it's it's just a different kind of offense. I had to go from this slow, hard, fast like D line stance coming out in, in offense to, uh, to, you know, more, more traditional, you know, pass pro, um, I guess I don't really know how to describe it, but, um, <laughs> you know, my, my whole, my whole view on football changed when I got here. Like I had to completely re rewire my brain on how football works. And, you know, coach Mateos does a great job with everybody in the line moon. And he really spent time with me learning, teaching me how to um, how to do all these new things and um, or what to me were new things, but everybody else is just old news. But, uh, you know, he spent a lot of time with me and he spends a lot of time with all the new guys and everybody else just to help you perfect your craft. We are talking to Baylor freshman offensive lineman Tate Williams. Last question for me, Tate. Uh, you look at your teammates, uh, obviously you have 50, 60 different teammates and, and personalities in that locker room. Uh, is there a story this year that you remember, a funny story that you can come back into? I mean, a great season. You were ranked, what, fifth or sixth in the whole country. What is there a story that you remember that you could tell us for all the fans to get to know about your teammates and your the personality in that Baylor locker room? Oh, <laughs> uh, there's a couple I can't share here. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, man, I'm, I don't know, to be honest. Um, you know, um, no, I can't, I can't say that. How about this? Has anybody played a prank on any of the coaches in that locker room? Um, 
I'm one of those prank guys. So I'm one of those oh, guys. No. I'm one of those prank guys. If if I was playing on your football team, I'd be the one getting in trouble from the coaches, telling yeah. me to pack pack the helmets, pack everything. It didn't matter if I'm the captain or not. I'm doing something <laughs> stupid to get myself into trouble. You'll, you'll, you'll be the guy that pranks the freshman by putting bubble wrap in their car. No, I never did that. Oh, I, okay. Even when I played football in high school, I was never the one. Actually, people tried to prank on me, and I was the one fighting the whole football <laughs> team. So, uh, but uh, I, I was always the prankster on my hockey team. I always did something. I would tie people's socks together. I would, t- I, I took their, uh, you know, obviously their cups, and I tied. Uh, I took somebody's cup, and I took the cup out, so he couldn't find the cup. So he played without a cup in a game. So I was one of those guys that would do that, and and I would take the cup and I put it in somebody else's pants, and they would find it, you know, while they were playing in the game, you know, when they. Man, were... nobody, nobody even plays with a cup anymore. <laughs> oh, that's not good. That's not good. No. Nobody on your team plays with a cup. I don't think so. Oh my god, were they? Nuts? I don't think anybody in general does. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's that's news. So I know what I got to do when I'm when I want somebody's pissing me off on the field. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get in the middle of that pack of people and I'm gonna start driving my fist in there. <laughs> so you'll be the football version of Draymond Green. <laughs> <laughs> They'll know me as the the uh, what do they call it? The enforcer. <laughs> Yeah, you'll enforce, all right. The fist enforcer. <laughs> They'll know what it means when, uh, you know, when they feel it on the we'll field. We'll just call it the football version of Draymond Green. Oh, God. But uh, we really appreciate you, man. Uh, I-, I know you're busy. I know you're practicing. It's How is it over there? Is it hot? Oh, my gosh. It's hot, humid, anything you can think of. It. I think today it got up to... 100, 101. Oh, about, my God. Oh, my God. I think humidity probably close to 50%. Oh. I mean, it's just muggy. I but. give you credit, man. You're a big guy. What are you, 6'6", six, six, uh, 340 pounds, right? Am I right? 330 I'm, pounds? I'm 6'5", 300. 300 pounds. Oh, well, you're going to be at one point, or, one point or another, if you want to play in the NFL, you're going to have to put some weight on, so you know that. Oh, yeah. And you're young t- still. You're 18 years old. You're going to – you have time to grow. You're – a big dude, and uh, we're going to be rooting for you. We're, we're going to definitely get you on, and a lot quicker from two years. I, I mean, seriously. <laughs> but we really appreciate your time, man. And and I know, like I said, congratulations on buying the house. That's a, that's a sensational story for an eighteen year old kid going to college to buy a house. It's it's really cool. It really is. Yes, sir. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Uh, Instagram is Tate Williams underscore seventy nine, and then uh, my Twitter is just Tate Williams seventy nine. Well, I'll be rooting for you, man, and hopefully we you, we can see you on the field this year and doing your thing, man, because you deserve it. Shout out to your guy, your your friends, uh, Hat Company, Double and Hat. What is it? Double Double B Hat Double Company. B. Double B yeah. Hat Company. Uh, we'll definitely promote it. Send us all the information. We'll promote it. And uh, again, we really appreciate you joining us, Tate. Yes, sir. No problem. Tate Williams, ladies and gentlemen, Baylor offensive lineman. This kid's going to be a star. I, I really like this kid. He's, he's got already a, a homeowner, and it seems like a future a personal personal marketer from what it seems like. He's going to be marketing with us, man. I yeah. mean, like seriously. I, I listen. Any kid at eighteen years old that buys a house only tells you the entrepreneur person that he is, and he's smart. He's not stupid. Obviously, going out there, why would he pay eight, $900 for rent when he can buy his own house and people pay his, you know, pay his bills? So he sits there uh, pretty with a big, beautiful house, and when he graduates from school, if he's married to a girl or engaged to a girl, football, NFL or no NFL, he's got himself a house. So that's an investment. Good job, man. Smart, smart kid. So, Absolutely. Uh, you Congrats don't have a house. I don't have a house. I mean, seriously. 
What are you sitting there, Speedy? What are you oh, doing? they were talking to him. <laughs> I'm talking to you. He, he's sitting over there. He's just chilling, man. What, what, oh yeah, well yeah. We're, we're congratulating him I'm on his talking uh, to you. on his new on his new house, and, and definitely uh, a lot of great deals. <laughs> oh. A lot of great deals. I mean, houses are you know going up now. He he probably got his house at the perfect time. Yep. I mean, seriously. Smart, smart, smart timing there. Uh, obviously, uh, Christy Williams. What is this? Uh, what is she posing? Constellation with? and a bunch of stars. And that's who. That's my mom. Oh, oh there you go. Up? What's up, Christy? How are you? She. I'll tell you this, man. For for a kid that is not only supported by his family, but is supported by everybody. There's a lot of people coming in and out of this. Uh, this Facebook, our Twitter, our YouTube, uh, we really, it, it shows you your per, you know, who you are as a person and how many people really do love you. And, uh, and like I said, for a kid your age to do the things that you have done so far, it's such an early time of your life. It's unbelievable, you know, uh, the person and, and that you're growing into and, and as a man. And I'm sure your mother's very proud of you as well as we are. I, I mean, I, this is the second time you've been on the, the show. I, I'm, I said I'm 40 years old. I don't even own a house yet. And, and you're 18 years old and you own a house. You know, maybe, uh, you know, you'll buy another house and another house. And then you'll own a couple of houses and you'll be a multimillionaire in no time. You won't even need the NFL. How's that sound? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like the opportunity to play, you know, just say I did it, you know. Your mother uh, says she's pretty proud of you. Yep. Um, I was reading some of the more comments. Uh, John Michael Parker says, house is cheaper than some of the tractors. Oh, no question. <laughs> John Parker. What's going on, John? And then uh, Shelly Braden Dickens. Awesome job, Tate. So proud of you. Look at you, man. You have a girlfriend, by the way? I don't. Uh, but you will. You will, man. I'll tell you why. Because girls like entrepreneurs, girls like smart guys, and girls like guys that don't hold back on their feelings. And you don't look like a guy that does that. So that's a good, that's a plus, you know? I, I mean, I, I hold back on my feelings as why I fight with my girlfriend every single day. So there you go. You know, I, found, I found girls like football players, too. They, they do. <laughs> Especially big football players that protect the quarterback. <laughs> Well, obviously, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have one younger sister. It's, uh, and how big is your father, by the way? Because you're 6'5", 300 pounds. My, so my dad's about, he's probably 6'1". He threw, uh, threw shot and disc at Angelo State, threw at mm. Texas Tech for a while. Mm. Um, you know, he, was, he won nationals at Angelo State. And then uh, my mom was a shot, disc, and hammer thrower there. Ooh, track and fields. Sorry. Like my dad didn't throw discus in college. He threw a uh, shot and hammer. Oh. And then, uh, so on my mom's side, her dad is six, five. And, you know, he, he threw shot and played football at North Texas and then went over to Howard Payne and played, uh, or threw shot. And then he, he continued to power lift on, I guess, a semi-pro, maybe professional Mm -hmm. circuit for a while. Um, and then I guess his dad actually played for the White Sox. He's a pitcher for him for a while. Look at that! You got a a very athletic background, so that that's good, then, man. But uh, you know, a guy that's six foot five, three hundred pounds, probably runs a forty. Uh, I'm going to predict you probably running in five, five flat, four right? Four eight. Nice. Jeez, man, Mackay Beckham ran in five. I mean, and they were bragging about this. This guy runs it in four eight. How it's amazing. How athletic these kids are turning out to be. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, a 300-pound lineman running a 40 and 4.8. I mean, there are wide receivers that barely can run it that. that. I mean, but uh, I don't know. It's, uh, 
I'm a little lost with the athletic ability you guys have now. I mean, I was forty. Uh, I'm forty, like I said, when I was a I was a top ranked hockey player growing up in 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 high school, and um, I I was fast. I was a fast skater, but I wasn't three hundred pounds. I mean, I graduated at like 130, 140 pounds. I mean, you you, you graduated. I, I was gonna say I came. I got to Baylor. I was two hundred sixty. Yeah, and you, I've put on about forty pounds since I've. Since I got here, that's fantastic. So now your now your goal is uh you you have to beat the uh the four point eight six combine of Tristan Wirfs at his pro at I his combine. Could, I, I think you could. I mean, he's running in a four eight. Four eight. Yep. I mean, well, I mean it's, it's four eight something. It's not. Yeah, but you're eighteen. Though. You're not even. You haven't even hit your stride yet. So that that's the crazy thing that you're. You could probably. Who knows? I. I could see you two years from now if you want to run the combine. You could, you could probably run in a four seven or four four six. I mean, I, I'm I'm not surprised because we saw what's his name again, Jordan Davis. Yeah, run it. I mean, this is a defensive lineman. It's three hundred what three hundred twenty three hundred thirty yeah, pounds. Three hundred twenty pounds. What are you yeah. running in four five? Four. It was it was four seven two or something like that. It was. Insane. I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, you, you what you move. guys? Yeah, you can move for an offensive lineman. <laughs> So uh, that's that's crazy. Really, uh, that's crazy. By the way, another comment from your mother. We're, uh, we're pretty proud of him, and girls love his dog Chico as well. Look at you. Oh. <laughs> and Carl says Speedy could run a sub five four oh if finger foods were involved. He's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Carl. I've never, I've never done a forty yard test, so I could not tell you that. That's pretty funny, actually. But again, we really appreciate you joining us, man. And uh, good luck. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll stay in touch with you. And. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, a young kid like you deserves all the credit in the world. And like I said, I'm not your parent. I'm you're a friend of the show, and I'm proud of you, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Yes, sir. I sure appreciate it. All right, Speedy, ready to go to break? Sure. Why don't we go to a break? When we come back, we'll get into the Golden State Warriors, and I call them the Warriors because uh, the more they open their mouths, the more they miss. Okay. And yes, they're up three to two against the Celtics, but it seems like Steph Curry doesn't know when to shut his mouth. So when we come back, we'll get into Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors here on the Sports Limeouts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Oh, little Craig Mack. Chicka, chicka, chicka. Huh, 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 huh. Get it, get it, get it. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. 631-672-3108. Go to the website, www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS. WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Thank you to Baylor freshman offensive lineman Tate Williams. Sensational kid. Great personality. Um, just a, a great young entrepreneur who looks like uh, he's got his whole life in front of him. And if it's not going to be in the NFL, which quite possibly could be, mm-hmm. um, he's got uh, a marketing degree. He's going to have a marketing degree and you know, houses and, and, and places to live at. So good for him, man. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Uh, that's that's a great story. Yeah. To see a kid buy sure. a house at 18 years old. So very happy to hear that. Um, Carl says, can't wait to hear Errol attempt to bash Steph. No, I'm going to bash Steph. <laughs> so why don't we get into 
the Golden State Warriors, and I, I, I'm going to call them Warriors anymore because the more they open their mouths and the more championships they think they're going to win, the more I just get the headache that just throbs through my body. Okay? First of all, yeah, Steph Curry in, in game number three had a sensational game. I'm sorry, in game number four, he had a sensational game. He's He scored 43 points. Yeah, 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 yeah. Helped the Golden State Warriors tie the series against the Boston Celtics. No question that he did. But then in game number five, was saved by Andrew Wiggins and Klay Thompson. And I don't want to hear it from all those Steph lovers, and I call him Steph because that's what he is. He's a disease, all right? He first play starts the game with pink sneakers, okay? He's showing off his pink sneakers. And then after having a terrible shooting first quarter, he changes his sneakers to purple, okay? Changes his sneakers completely because he thinks it's going to help him shoot better. This is the worst shooting display game I've ever seen Steph Curry have in his playoff career. And that says a lot because Steph Curry, you know, Early in his career, was not a good playoff player. He wasn't. Okay, he, I, I will say this: that's why he's never won an MVP in the playoffs. And everybody's going to say, "Well, hold on one second. He should have won that year. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. He didn't." Okay. In game number five against the Boston Celtics, he had one of his worst playoff games of his career, and one of his worst games we've ever seen him play. This season. 0 for 9 at the three-point line. Couldn't even hit up a layup sometimes. I mean, he was going up for layups in the fourth quarter. And he kept shooting and shooting and shooting. When he should have given... He should have been throwing the ball and passing the ball to Andrew Wiggins. Which, by the way, has been the best player in this series. Yes, Andrew Wiggins. The guy that was traded for... Figure this one out. Kevin Love. Now, Kevin Love did help the Cavaliers win a championship... And he's not a bad player, but Andrew Wiggins didn't even really grow into the player that he has become as a Golden State Warriors and uh, as a Golden State Warrior. And what a great trade uh, with the Golden State Warriors to trade from from trade with the Timberwolves to get a player of this magnitude. One of the best perimeter defenders uh, I have seen since Scottie Pippen. Yes, Scottie Pippen, and the type of player that he has become in this series is a shutdown player. Now. Jason Tatum's a sensational player. He really is. He's a great three-point shooter. He, he's, he's shown what he can do as a player, not only in this series, but the last series. And he's a fantastic, fantastic player. But what we have seen Andrew Wiggins become is not only a shutdown defender, he has learned how to defend some of the best players in the league the way he plays. He plays tight. He puts his body up. And it's the game is completely different. When Scotty played, you could put your hands on players. He can't, you can't do that anymore. And the, the way he positions his body, how many air balls did Jason Tatum have? I yesterday? saw three in the first half, uh, the second half alone. I think he had two in the first half. Uh, what, what is Carl saying over here? Carl says, right, and Steph had no hand in helping Wiggins get better by opening up the floor. Okay. Oh, so we're going to sit here and say it was because of Steph on why Andrew Wiggins had a good game? Andrew Wiggins had, what, 16 rebounds in this game? Mm. In the game that... Uh, Steph Curry scored 43. How many rebounds and how many points did Andrew Wiggins 17 have? and 16. 17 and 16. In this I, game, 26 and 13. I, I'm going to take a 17-16 game over a 43-point game. I'm sorry. but that and, and, and a shutdown defender or something that Steph Curry isn't. 
okay? To me, right now, the MVP, if if Golden State were to win this series, it is no other than Andrew Wiggins. He has been the best all-around player in this series. Now, yeah, the first, I think it was the second game, he didn't have such a great game. Yeah, the game. first two games, he really had a tough time getting it going. He had just 11 points, but he still had six rebounds and still was playing well defensively in that game in game two. Game one, he had a rough go of it, but three through six, he's been the consistently best player. Or three through, three through five, he's been consistently the best player. And if he has another great game in game six and Steph Curry maybe is a little off, you might you might lean that way. And we'll but first of all, and Carl says, no, I am saying Wiggins has developed this year. He was developed in the Tim- with the Timberwolves. He averaged, what, 17, 18 points a game mm-hmm. with the Timberwolves, and he was a good defender. He wasn't a bad defender. But uh, he definitely took a leap defensively with Golden yes, State. Yes, but I don't think that has anything to do with Golden State. I think he, he's grown as a player. He's become more of a veteran type of player. He's played well. And Draymond Green, who I, I, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Tatum was walking. <laughs> there was a, obviously a timeout call by the Celtics, and he's walking uh, in the fourth quarter to the – to the bench, he's holding the ball, and and why, uh, you know, uh, Draymond Green is trying to force the ball out of Tatum's hand makes absolutely no sense. But that's what Draymond Green does. He tries to get under people's, you know, skin. That's the type of player that he's been since he came into this league. Uh, if he's not taking pictures of, uh, you know, what on Snapchat, he or stepping or on kicking people's you private know areas. What. Yeah, I mean, he's doing stupid things like that, or he's taking shots at people on his dumb, stupid podcast. Well, yeah, he wants to get on under people's skin, but God forbid Celtics fans shout swear words at him, and then uh, it's a whole different animal. Uh, what is what is Carl saying now? Carl saying now, so Steph has had one bad game, and Wiggins had two, and Wiggins has been more consistent. What are you saying? I was saying game three through first, first five, all, he was more first, consistent. First of all, Speedy said he's he was he wasn't as good in game one, game one, and game two. Game two, he played well. Okay, when you're shutting down one of the best defense, offensive players in the league this year and doing what he did in game number two, yeah, I, I would say he, he's been as good or better than Steph Curry. What did he score in game number two? He scored 11 points, and what, six rebounds, two assists. Two assists, and he was a shutdown defender. I'm going to take that. How, what did Steph have in game number two? 29 points, six rebounds, four assists. And, and what does he do defensively? Very little. And what did they do? Did they win game number two? Yes, they did. They did. What was the score? 107-88. What? 107-88. Outscored them 35-14 to 14 uh, in the why, third Hold on one second. 107-88. And why did they not score more than 88 points, the Celtics? Because they stink in the third quarter. Well, go look at what Jason Tatum scored. Let's see. Jason Tatum, 28 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Jalen Brown was the one that was a little down, set only 17 Wasn't points. Wasn't he taking Jalen Brown in game number two? They switched him in yeah, game they, number three. Yeah, Jalen Brown had a big game number three. And they then, switched him to yeah. Tatum. No, his individual guy, whoever he's been whoever he's been guarding. He has, was taking Jalen Brown. Andrew Wiggins has won all those matches. He was taking Jalen Brown in the first two games. Right. And Clay Thompson was taking uh, – and. Um, Jason, Jason Tatum, Tatum yeah. and then as soon as Jason Tatum, you saw that Jason Tatum was taking right. over. They switched him, and ever right. since uh, Wiggins has taken Jason Tatum out, Jason Tatum has not looked good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's emerged kind of as the new primary defender, kind of like what Clay Thompson was probably three, four years ago. But Clay Thompson definitely does not look the same defensively in this series. No, and he, they started him off with Jason Tatum, it didn't work. Right. And they moved him, they switched him up, and that's why I'm taking the shutdown defender that's going to give you the points and give you everything. Uh, over the guy that's just going to score you points. Yeah, and I think the defense, the anyone who shot against Andrew Wiggins one on one is shooting. I think twenty seven percent in this they series. They would have won if Steph scored twenty points in that game. They would have won that game because of a shutdown defensive, you know, a defensive game by Andrew Wiggins. Now, again, I'm not sitting here and taking shots at Steph Curry. Though. He, has he had a good series? 
Yes. Did he look good last night? He looked horrible. Yeah. He was forcing shots. He was doing everything. And then he's sitting on the bench with his hands up like he did something in that game. <laughs> he did nothing in that game. He did nothing. Complete role reversal from game four. And everybody's going to say, well, how many points did he score in the game? He had scored over 20 points. He was forcing shots at the end of the game. He was shooting threes when he had no business shooting threes. He was 0 for 9. The best three-point shooter in NBA history can hit a shot in a playoff Series. His first game without a three-pointer made since November 8th, 2018, and his first ever in the postseason. And I think that it was the first game where he missed that many shots as well in three years as well. Was he 11 for 22 or something like he that? Was, yeah, he was, t- he was 7 for 22 from the field and then 0 for horrible. 9 from three. <laughs> Hor- horrible. And you sit here and, and he's changing his sneakers every single quarter. I mean, is that going to make it better? Yeah, who knows? I, I mean, honestly. <laughs> Superstitious people will blame that. Michael, <laughs> Michael Jordan, actually in a playoff game, played with his Jordan 1s. Go watch the, uh, what's that show? The Last Dance. The yeah. Last Dance. Yeah, I remember that. He played that. and he scored 50 points when his, his feet were bleeding in the game. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan scored 50 points in a playoff game because he was playing with his Jordan 1s. And he still scored 50 points. That's not an excuse. Changing your sneaker. Okay? Unless, you're, unless you're Zion Williamson and your shoe just falls off. Well, that's a whole other story. I was with Duke. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Carl says Jordan changed his shoes every Not in that game. game. Not in that game. Go watch The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. Not in that game. No, they consider it. They consider it like the best performance, considering you know, all the circumstances of those shoes. How much they were getting worn out during that game. And you want to know something? I think the Celtics really gave that game away in the fourth quarter. I I think they did. I I think the Celtics had a chance, especially what they did in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. They came back, came back from a 16-point deficit from the half. And and I I will say this, Jason Tatum was getting hot in in the third quarter. I think because Wiggins started playing and and rotating off positional players like Jalen Brown. You saw it happening. And, 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 And really, what changed from the third to the fourth quarter really was Andrew Wiggins. It was Andrew Wiggins sticking Jason Tatum. And when Jason Tatum's off and you're depending more on Jalen Brown, it's not going to help the South. And here's another thing. Uh, There were a lot of players that didn't show up in the fourth quarter. Al Horford did not show up in the fourth quarter. He didn't. The defense of the Celtics, you know, mid-fourth quarter did not show up. They, They looked like they were a completely different team from the third quarter. Since ever since that pool buzzer beater, they did not look the same defensively at all. Yes, Carl, your uh, your Michigan Wolverine Jordan Poole with that great buzzer beater, literally the other side of the court from the tournament. Game. Oh, that that was an unbelievable yeah. shot. And, and Jordan Poole has not had a good series. Let, let's be honest, mm-hmm. he has not. It's really only the last two games. But he hasn't had a good series. Period for nope. what he did against the Nuggets yep. and what he did in you know in Grizzlies, the other series yeah. against the Dallas uh, Mavericks too. I he has not shown up. In this series. Now, maybe because the Boston Celtics are a good defensive team, I uh, that's definitely a reason, but not a full reason. And you can't sit here today and say, hey, you know what? I, I, I just think that the, the, the Golden State Warriors are that much better than the Boston Celtics because they're not. 
It also is more of the fact that the Celtics' size also really was hindering Golden State in the first couple games. Even though Golden State won game two, the Celtics were still rebounding like crazy. So they couldn't really do their small three-guard lineups a lot of the time either. So Wiggins had to play the three a lot of the time. Then they were rotating around Draymond to the four and a couple other guys, whether it was Looney, whether it was Otto Porter when he came back. And they really couldn't get Poole into a consistent role because his offense was off. And he doesn't, he's not a bad defender, but he doesn't bring much defensively comparatively to Wiggins. So but you got to give hard. Golden State Warriors a, a lot of credit because they were not looked in this series to be a good, you know, the better defensive team. And in right. certain games, they've been the better defensive team. Uh, Carl says, so why are the Warriors the Warriors? I, I, I didn't call them the Warriors, the Warriors. That's what I call them. Uh, if you ever if if you ever say, well, would you take solid D over offense? I, I would. I would take solid D over offense any day. I would. And I mean, defense wins championships, does it not? It, yeah, and I, I think the other thing, too, is Wiggins, the way that the Celtics are built is so valuable to countering what they like to do because even though they have the size inside. Speedy, why are the Warriors up 3-2, to two? honestly? I would say because... They're, Honestly, I would say their depth has outplayed the Celtics, not by much, but by just enough. Why, and I would what, say, what is the main reason why they have they're winning in this series? I, I can tell you right now. I would say they've overcome and, the depth no, better. No, Andrew Wiggins has been a shutdown defender in this series. That's why. That's why. You want to know why? Andrew Wiggins has become a superstar in this series. It is a re- the reason why if the Golden State Warriors win this series, it's going to be because it's going to be because Andrew Wiggins shut down Jason Tatum. That is why they're going to win this series. Steph Curry could score forty, he could score thirty-five, he could score twenty-nine. Tatum could do the same thing. So can Jalen Brown. When you have a shutdown defender that can take over games, like we have seen Andrew Wiggins do, we've seen this with Andre Iguodala. That's why the Warriors won uh, their last championship. Oh, the, the championship before that. I, I, I don't remember. The first championship was when he won MVP. And yes, then... that's what I'm talking about. You need it. You need a shutdown defender, defenseman, defensive player like an Andrew Wiggins. Andre Iguodala shut down. Well, it didn't shut down, but held LeBron James to a certain total. Yeah, the same thing is most. going right now with Jason Tatum. The reason why the, the to me, if Golden State wins, is no other than the great. And powerful Andrew Wiggins defense. That is it. Carl says, anytime you let Gary Payton Jr. go for double digits, you have issues. But he's play, he played well against the the Mavericks. Mm. He did. Yeah, right when he came back, he started to have an instant impact again. But yeah, that's what I was saying, He also Carl. played well against the Nuggets, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was good against the Nuggets, and then he got hurt against Memphis. So, yeah, he had to really, his road to recovery, he wasn't supposed to come back in the, in, until the NBA Finals, so the, a lot of people were saying, but came back against Dallas and was strong. But yeah, that, Carl, that's a, what I was kind of getting at. It seems like the Celtics, most of their percentage of their scoring is wing-reliant. Where I don't think that is the case with Golden State. They have their guards scoring. Even Kavon Looney's had his moments offensively in this series as well. Whereas the Celtics, it seems like the distribution, Horford had the big game one, but he's kind of disappeared beyond that. Robert Williams had his moments, but they haven't gotten a lot from the the non-wing players and the point guard, same kind of thing too. Marcus Smart, he'll have a game here and there where he scores, but he's not a great offensive player. I, I have to give Marcus Smart a lot of credit because he's been a much better offensive player than I ever thought he was. And yeah. I, I haven't watched a lot of the Celtic games this year. And I, I'll take back that I, I, I didn't think he was defensive player of the year, but when you look at his numbers, it definitely shows. And in, in, in certain series, we've seen that 
Marcus Smart is the the heart and soul of that team, especially defensively. But I will say, I'll say this again. Andrew Wiggins has been the best overall defensive player throughout this series, even better than Marcus Smart. Yeah. He has been as great. And it reminds me of a wing, Scottie Pippen. He's not as big as Scottie Pippen because he's not as long. Right. But the way he plays, Scottie Pippen liked to play under you, get under you, and make you make plays. You, you couldn't beat him to the hole, so you had to shoot on him. And that's what Andrew Wiggins is making them do, making Tatum shoot in places that he doesn't like right. and he's not comfortable in. And that's why right now Golden State is one way, one win away from being an NBA championship and it will give Steph Curry his four championship, which is crazy to say. I mean, especially his first six years where he wasn't uh, the player that um, – yeah, it probably took him six years yeah. to get to the superstar level. Probably yeah. took him four years to get to the star level. So, yeah, uh, it's, it came a long way since he was drafted in, in 08. And I would say 2012 was kind of his breakout year for a star perspective. And then after that, he had the MVPs and back-to-back MVPs and the championships. But don't don't t- don't give it to Steph Curry. And I, I know that's what Steph Curry wants. The only thing Steph Curry's missing is an MVP playoff championship, an MVP playoff trophy. Listen. I think Steph Curry cares about more winning an NBA trophy than winning the MVP of the, uh, you know, I, I sometimes I wonder if the if the fans would rather see him win an MVP trophy than win an NBA championship. I think Steph Curry cares about the NBA championship more than MVP trophy. I know that's yeah. something that stands out to him and that's what he wants. But and they'll probably give it to him anyways, even though I think he's not the best player in this series. Yeah, again, there, it's going to be a legacy talk for all these people that have him in terms of the best point guards ever, too. And maybe that's the thing that he's, he's missing from their logic. And the NBA will have to figure that out in terms of if judging Game Six, because again, because of Andrew Wiggins' defensive prowess, Game and then Game Three, Four, or Five, rebounding and offensively the way he did when the the Celtics were just dominating the glass. <laughs> Jeff was calling last week and was saying how big of monsters the, Cel- the Celtics were in Game Three. It's different and then the last two games. The last two games, Wiggins is rebounding, Looney is rebounding. They're getting some, even some rebounding from their guards too. But Wiggins, sixteen and thirteen rebounds in the last two games. It's it's tough to match. So if Wiggins' offense is right there with his defense, and it doesn't even have to be like it doesn't have to score like Steph does. But if he scores 17 and Steph scores maybe 20 something, still has a lot of shots. Even if he scores 40, might give the you edge get to 17 wins. and 16 and you're a shutdown defender. I'm taking that over Steph Curry's 43. Sorry, I'm doing that. You can't win without Wiggins' defense. You can't. I have seen players and teams, I've seen LeBron James score 50 and a team lose. I've seen it. I've seen this before. But when you have a shutdown defender like that, he's shutting down the best player on the Celtics. And yes, Jason Tatum is the best player on the Celtics. And when he's shutting him down and he's keeping him to a minimum, yeah, I'm taking Andrew Wiggins. He's the MVP. Now, it'll be interesting to see what kind of element they judge because M- the NBA does like to go for the popularity yeah, it's a lot gonna, more. It's probably going to go to Steph because of who he is. Now, that being said, though, the Andre Iguodala was not the popular pick in 2015. But Steph had a terrible series. He did not look good. And and, Steph, and and let's be honest. Steph Curry, this guy's the greatest shooter we've ever seen. He is. He's the greatest shooter we've ever seen. But when you're forcing shots like he did in the fourth quarter, and, and, and this guy, he's doing his shimmy every time he hits the damn shot. I have Wes t- sending me texts yep. every time he does it. He was sending me a shimmy text 
yesterday after they won when he did nothing in the game. I said, Wes, stop sending me the shimmy. Unless Steph Curry has one of those games where he's doing it. I don't want to see the shimmy, okay? It's embarrassing. He, he was an embarrassment yesterday. And he all smiles because his team bailed him out. Carl says, if Boston keeps putting up bricks, there will be a lot of rebounds to be had. But that was the thing. In the first three games, they were getting the offensive rebounds. Golden State just wasn't rebounding at all, really. And game four or five, I'm not going to say they're like special, except for Wiggins, in terms of like they're averaging their rebound total. But in terms of... Actually, Steph had 10 in, in game four as well. But in terms of like just normal rebounding, they're just rebounding like a normal basketball team. They weren't doing that the first time. Reggie games. Miller, four shots. I promise you, Carl, go look at Reggie Miller's numbers in his whole career in the playoffs. Reggie Miller never went 0 for 9 in any playoff game at the three point line. Ever. Ever. Guaranteed. I, I don't even know. I've never even looked at the numbers. Reggie Miller never went 0 for 9 ever in a playoff game. Ever. That's, that, he is not Reggie Miller in a big game. He's not. Reggie Miller. Uh, Steph Curry is one of the great, is the greatest three point shooter we've seen in a regular season. In the playoffs, he is not. Good, not great. Yeah, I would say. He's the, not. He's not he's, his legacy in the playoffs is not Ray special. Ray Allen was better in the playoffs <laughs> as a three point shooter than yeah. Steph Curry is. He is. Pejor Stojakovic was a better three point shooter in the playoffs than. Than, than a guy like Steph Curry. Now, that doesn't take away who Steph Curry is and how sensational of a shooter he is. But for people to sit here and try to compare him to Reggie Miller or Ray Allen in the playoffs, I mean, let's see Steph Curry do it consistently without having these 0 for 9 games at the three-point line. This, this isn't the first time he went 0 for 9 or 0, 0, 0 in, in three-point shots in a playoff game. I think he did it a couple of he years never ago. Did it in the, he never did it where he made zero, but he, he did have a couple duds. You sure? Yeah. No, I they, think he did. they were saying that after the game. No, oh. he, he never had one in the playoffs. The last one he, he never made a three-point shot in his whole career was November 8th, 2018. Uh, he had a couple games where he made only one or two shots. He had... I was mentioning one on the weekend crunch against Toronto. I think it was game four. He had a lot of trouble in that, in that game where I think he only made one or two shots. And I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know. I didn't one of the, the San Antonio games, too, when they played in the Western Conference Finals before Kawhi Leonard got hurt, they, Greg Popovich's defense did a great job shutting him down, and Golden State was able to win more because of Klay Thompson. Uh, did Reggie Miller make a finals? I think he yes, made he one did. finals. One final. And, 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 and just so you know this, Reggie Miller had to go through teams, I, I don't know, like the Bulls, uh, Michael Jordan Bulls, which are almost, they were almost impossible to beat. And Michael Jordan was almost impossible to beat in the playoffs. Okay. And oh, by the way, he had to go through, I don't know, uh, the Knicks, the Orlando Magic. Uh, I, I mean, with, with uh, Penny Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal, I could go up and down the Eastern Conference teams. The Miami Miami Heat in those times, the Tim Hardaways, the uh, you know the different teams that they had over there. They were great teams. I was going to say, I don't think the Pacers were ever the better team whenever they went further like that. I, don't, I mean, you're better with the 90s basketball, but they definitely were the better team against the Lakers when they played in the finals. The Lakers are loaded, and those teams, like, I... The, Even the Cavs those days, I mean... Yeah, they Mark had, Price, they, yeah. Mark Price, that, that, those were good teams. They were good teams. Right, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think Reggie Miller ever had, like, that team, so I don't know if you could hold the finals against him the same way you would do it against these the other East top superstars. The East was better superstars. than the West at that time. Yeah, that's one of those things to nitpick on, 
when you're judging the three-point shooters. Like, Reggie Miller is not going to be thought of as, like, a top-20 all-time player just as a complete player, but as a shooter, he, like, he had to do everything and won an era that wasn't really great for three-pointers. Reggie Miller, I remember, hit, like, five or six three-point shots against the Knicks. Yep. It, with the last minute of a game that helped them win the game. Eight points. It was eight points in, like, 12 seconds, and then it was, like, yeah, like you were saying, I think it was 16 points in 30 or something like that. It was ridiculous, okay? I remember that. I remember that game. He came. He, he got he got him all the way back to win that yeah. game. And then, I mean, who knows what would have happened with the Knicks? Obviously, they could have made the back to back finals. They were one of the favorites that year. Yeah, I know. I know the Knicks made the finals as the eighth seed the next year, but who knows? They might have even had back to back finals. They were able to close out that series like they should have. I mean, so. to sit here today and say, "Well, it's because of Steph Curry on why they're going to win." Uh, that's not true. I, I think you have to look at the statistics and, and the numbers behind everything. And I think what we have seen so far in this series is Andrew Wiggins, wherever he played or whoever he played on, he shut those guys down. And and that tells me you need you need that shutdown defender to help you win. Klay Thompson for years was that guy. Draymond Green wasn't that guy in the playoffs. He was the, the guy that uh, he was a good defensive player, but not a great defensive player, a great rebounder. Draymond Green is old. He's an older player now. He's not yep. the same player he once was. And I think after this championship, I think they're going to have to decide on what they're going to do with Klay Thompson yeah. and Draymond Green because this is not the same team it once was. I think that that whole legacy of what this team has become, they're start, it's starting to deteriorate. Yep. And, then, and, and, and Steph is, what, 32-33. you got to decide what you're doing with Steph. I think when you look at where they are right now, Wiggins is the future. Um, uh, what's Poole. His, Poole is the future. The kid that they drafted a couple of years ago. Uh, who's didn't Wiseman, play. Yeah. Wiseman. That's their future. That's their future. They could be good for another 10 years with those guys. You got to decide what you're doing with Steph, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. I think they should start to part ways with these guys. Yeah, Clay Thompson's going to be the tough one because he has a five year contract and it's a max contract. And if he starts. Nobody to, wants that. Yeah, if, you're, if he starts deteriorating defensively like he has, it's going to be very hard, especially with more players like him coming into the league. Now, I don't know if they're going to be the, as prolific of shooters as, as Clay Thompson, but that doesn't mean they can't have the range. That doesn't mean they can't create their own shots differently. There's a lot more 3 and D wings that come into the league now more than you ever see before because it's a three-point shooting league. And guys that are taller, too. Guys that are more physical. Guys that are big men that are shooting threes a lot of the time, too. So his kind of player is... Very replaceable at this point. Draymond is an undersized guy, too, that, yes, he was a great defender in his prime, but still is losing it a little bit. Steph Curry will be the one that's tough to replace because he moves off the ball so well and ball handles well. But, again, the system is still good. They have Jordan Poole, who plays the same way as Steph Curry. He might not be as good a three-point shooter as Steph Curry, but he does a lot of other things that Steph Curry doesn't do better. He's a better defender than Steph Curry. Yeah. So, uh, Jordan Poole, but you... You know, Jordan Poole in about a two years, you're gonna have to decide what you're doing with him. Right. Uh, you're not, you might not be able to bring him back with all these big contracts that yeah. you have. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna have to decide what you're gonna do with Draymond or Clay Thompson or even Steph Curry. The only person you can really move right now that anybody's gonna want that contract is probably Steph Curry. Right. The other two guys, I don't think I want them. Yeah, it's just gonna be hard to replace that kind of player. Now, yes, Jordan Poole could shoot threes. Jordan Poole's a he's not a great defender, but he's a more of a serviceable better. What Steph does off the ball though, and moving around the way he does and the creativity. Sensational. He has we know what is, he is. Is. is really fitting for what the Golden State Warriors like to do. So that kind of thing is going to be difficult to replace in that system alone. But I think Draymond and Klay Thompson, yeah, they're slowly going to get faded out. 
within the next couple of years just because of, especially if Poole does improve as a defender too. Wiggins, we know, already has. And they have a, they drafted a lot of other wings too in, in the first round the last couple of years too. Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody. They have all these guys that a lot of them are wing players. And James Wiseman obviously take over Draymond Green's role and is much taller than Draymond Green, so he'll be able to do things more. Uh, what? Are, okay, what are we going to say? I was, no, I was reading uh, some of Carl's it. comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pacers were one of two seed all those years, Speedy. Uh, Miller time, no doubt he was amazing. Told <laughs> Spike to choke it. Yeah. Yeah, that mm. sounds about right. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Snug says Steph Curry for MVP of the finals. Of course. The Knicks, the last time they were relevant. Mark Price, Craig Elo, Michael Cage, Rod Harper, Larry Nance, Hot Rod Williams. Mm-hmm. And Steph Curry won game four. Mm. Yeah, good good for Steph Curry. So good for him. Does that mean he's going to win the MVP because of that? It's not a lock in place by any means, Snug. I know you want to think that. But... No, because he, he knows that I'm not a big Steph Curry fan. Anything that I don't like... Snug wants to attack. Oh, believe me. We know. This is your torture finals. Meanwhile, this is the dream scenario for him. (laughs) Steph Curry versus his Boston Celtics. Yeah, I can't stand this. But anyways, uh, why don't we get into this? uh, Obviously, you read this story. You told me before the show started that this story is coming out right now. What is this? Uh, what, What is this trade talk right now? This rumor that is coming out. So we've heard Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook have been dangled with their teams this offseason. This was a three-team trade that uh, one article said a lot of NBA insiders were thinking could happen depending on how they make the money work. So Russell Westbrook would be dealt to the the Thunder, back to the Thunder from the Lakers. Mm -hmm. They've been trying to move him. The Thunder is one of the few teams in the NBA that can take on... one more year left on his contract, yeah. Yeah. So they could either eat the contract for a year or buy him out, whatever whatever ends up happening. But the Thunder are one of the few teams that could take on the contract. They would take on a couple extra first-round picks from the Lakers to do that. And the Lakers would get Kyrie Irving to reunite with LeBron James, and and they would send the Nets some first round picks as well. And the Thunder would probably send the Nets some of their young depth players from what it seems like. They didn't specify any names in the article, but that is a rumor that is swirling around right before the NBA draft. Well, I think Steph Curry, I mean, not Steph Curry, uh, Kyrie Irvin wants out of Brooklyn, uh, maybe because he, they're not going to give him a max contract, but that would be a smack in the face for a guy like um, uh, KD, who yeah. is uh, the reason why he went there was Kyrie Irving. What do you have, Ben Simmons now? How are you <laughs> going to win with Ben Simmons? Right. Uh, you might as well you know, tie your career over, uh, count your career being over, because you're not going to win with a team like that unless you go after somebody like uh, Right, I was going to say, uh, unless you Mitchell. swap the picks back. Or you get a Mitchell. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you get the picks, and then you use it in a trade to get Mitchell. Or maybe you trade... Ben Simmons and those picks for Mitchell. And then you have you and Mitchell and everybody else. That could happen. I mean, that makes sense. They could be a better team that way. But I don't know if that's going to be enough. Yeah, again. And you're it- giving up two good players for one. Yeah, the Nets are going to get some first-round picks out of it. But again, how much will that be in order to trade for another star will be the question. And how much value is these other depth players going to have? If Ben Simmons' if ben Simmons's contract is too much for a certain team, will they want to take that kind of thing on? And how much value does Joe Harris or Seth Curry or any of those guys have if they want to get another star as well, too? And then you're back to square one again with the Nets just having these stars and not having enough depth again. Do you want to go down that road again? I mean, be a question. If, if Sean Marks does that, he might as well give out give his papers in as resignate resignate right, himself. cycling just cuz he's the same doing thing. he's doing exactly what Billy King did right he he's doing exactly what he did he traded away all his draft stock and everything for one player that didn't want to be there then he he trades him away he brings in another player that by the way probably doesn't want to be there and nobody wants <laughs> because he has a big contract 
and he's a laughing stock of the NBA. And then they have another player like Kyrie Irving, who has been nothing but a, a sensational player, one of the best point guards in the league, one of the best players in the league, but sitting here today and saying, hey, I don't want to pay him a max contract, so what are you going to do with him? He thinks the earth is flat. Why don't we send him to a flat team? Maybe we'll send him to the Lakers. <laughs> Did you see his comments today? Flat. Now he was complaining about having to pay rent or something like that. But how are they going to have Anthony Davis there, Kyrie Irving there, and LeBron James, that, that's too well, those Yeah, those are your three max contracts, but then you're going to have to really bear on veteran minimums, which, I, like you were saying, with a lot of different analysts we've had on, is kind of fading away as a system, too. Now, LeBron is the exception to the rule with that. Because it's LeBron James. Because, yeah, he's been the only one to make that kind of thing work. Teams trying to duplicate that kind of thing, it hasn't worked in the same effect. But are the Lakers at this point too old where they can't even try that anymore is another question. Mm. And they might, again, they might be stuck, so they might have to just try something and hope it works and same kind of thing with the Nets too but again I don't know where this is going to really benefit the Nets the same and way. How does this benefit Russell uh, the OKC Thunder? Well they're going to get extra first round picks yeah, but they don't to need it on Russell Westbrook. But they don't need it why do they need more? What do they have like 25? I mean it's I, I don't yeah, know Yeah they have 212 they have two number two number 12 and number 34 in this draft right now they just traded one for Jermichael Green to Denver so they're going to if they would take on the Lakers they would take on one of the Lakers ones and I, I would guess a few Future Lakers won too. So they would have probably three in this draft, uh, which the Lakers are picking right at the end of the lottery, and then one in the future where the the Thunder could hope that the Lakers just crash and burn and lose all their old players, and maybe it'll be a good pick. So I think that's what they're begging on at this point. Plus, again, the the crowd will still love Russell Westbrook coming back. They didn't really want him to leave type thing. Like It, was, it wasn't really his fault. Like He didn't force his way out like Kevin Durant did. So they might embrace that and maybe have something to root for, even if he doesn't play to the same level. And so I think it's a win-win in that case for the Thunder. The Nets, it doesn't really make much sense because you're trying to keep Kevin Durant there. So unless you have another plan with those first-round picks, it'll be hard. What do you think about the weather out? Do you like what the weather has been? The last I like warm days? weather, but I, I mean, I'm with you on the humidity. I'm not it's been, crazy about It's been that. crazy over here. Yeah. You know? I was in Florida for a week. You know, I was doing things for my mom over there and all that other stuff. It, 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 I can never live in Florida. I know Jeff I know tells me. Yeah. I know Jeff says uh, your blood gets thinner and all that other stuff. It is hot, man. I do not like this time. It's just too hot. I I feel like a snow cone. That's what I feel like. I walk outside. It don't matter what time it is. Eight o'clock in the morning. I'm sweating my butt off. I, it's just horrible. I don't like the weather at all. Yeah, it was seventy five today. <laughs> we definitely know. Every time you've gone to Florida, you've had something to complain about with the weather, <laughs> with the humidity. I think everybody there. we complain about that weather except Jeff. Okay. <laughs> uh, Carl says, "Don't forget Brad Doherty on those Cavs teams." Yes, yes absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snug says, "Well, I prefer the Celtics to win, but if Curry gets another ring, I'm good with it." Of yes, Snug, that's exactly what I said. It's a dream final for you. <laughs> you there's for there's no repercussions for you. <laughs> it's a torture one for Errol. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyrie Irving is amazing. I can't wait to hear what he's going to say next. No, he was complaining literally about having to pay rent today on his Twitter. It was yeah, classic Kyrie Irving fashion. And hashtag Westside weather. It was like 75 today. It was was nice in wherever he is in California, I guess. No um, Cal. What is the what is this story coming out with the Hawks interested in Rudy Gobert? He, they're interested in anybody that's free. I mean, obviously they had a bad season, a team that went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, mm-hmm. and they get eliminated by Milwaukee. And this year there was just a no show for them. I don't know what happened to them. Uh, teams figure trade stop Trey Young, stop that whole team. They don't have another star. They don't have another you know, it factor type of guy that could take over games. Now, is Rudy Gobert the answer? It it, did, it didn't work with Utah. So, I mean, Trey Young is the same type of player as Donovan Mitchell. So, does it 
really make sense that if they went after Rudy Gobert that uh, that'll take them to that next level in the Eastern Conference? I don't know, man. Not from, I think that's crazy. Not from what I've heard, because it seems like they want to trade John Collins in that deal and Clint Capella. Who Clint Capella is not as good as Rudy Gobert, but he's a similar type of rebounding defense big man. So why not just hang on to him? The Jazz have also in, been interested in Kevin Horner too. He's a good shooter. Like why would you want to get rid of all that just for Gobert? Doesn't make much sense to me. And I think being that Mitchell and Gobert don't get along as it is, you're, you you want to run that risk of it hindering the team chemistry like it did with the Utah Jazz? Because Utah was always thought of as a team that was very stable in terms of, like, getting it going culturally, winning in the playoffs when they were under least expected. Then all of a sudden, the last three years, they've gone the opposite, where they've just underwhelmed. You blew a 3-1 lead against the Nuggets, then last year lost against the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. And this year, it's just, I don't know what happened this year against Dallas. So... If you're Atlanta, do you really want to risk that kind of thing? I would try to trade for Mitchell without having to do Gobert. If you had, if I had, if I was running the Hawks. And by the way, their their problem wasn't defense this year. It really wasn't. Their problem was was their offense. They weren't scoring enough. They weren't scoring enough by the clip. That's the problem. So why would they bring in one of the better defensive players in the league when you really don't need that? Now, yeah. if you need an anchor, I mean, Clinton Capella is a good defensive player. Right. They don't have the perimeter defense, but how does Rudy Gobert help that either? He's not a great perimeter defender. He's a traditional center that's phenomenal. But you saw the Suns, you saw the Clippers in certain playoff series. Uh, not the Suns, the Nuggets, in certain playoff series the last couple of years, expose Gobert and force him on the perimeter. He's not the same. He's he's fine. He's serviceable, but he's he's not the elite-level defender as he is inside. The Hawks need perimeter defenders. They don't need inside. Clint Capella averages 11-11 and 11 this year, um, and Rudy Gobert averaged 15-14. and 14, Okay, Rudy Gobert is a good rebounder and a good blocker. There's no question that he is. Rudy Gobert's strength is his defense. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what he is. You you want to bring in another offensive? I understand Donovan Mitchell. If you want to bring right. in Donovan, I I could see that. You you get your other superstar. He's going to give you another thirty points. Trey Young gives you thirty. Donovan Mitchell gives you thirty. That's sixty points. That's practically, uh, you know, almost a half of what your team's going to score. Almost seventy five percent your team's going to score. That then all you need is your other players off the bench to give you eleven here, ten here, five here, seven here. You can win a lot of games, but Rudy Gobert is not going to give you more than 15 points. He's not a point. He's not, he's not an offensive player. Right. I also like Donovan Mitchell from the fact of they can use him as a more of a ball handler to make sure Trey Young doesn't have to create his own shot all the time. They could use him, take his shooting to the next level. If he doesn't have to be that guy, he could get open. He could move around he on his own to play the point without either. the ball. If Donovan Mitchell is ball handling. Yeah, now, they can't do that right now with Huerter because Huerter is really just a traditional shooting guard. They brought in Lou Williams, but he retired. And then they've just a bunch of wing guys that aren't really ball handlers. DeAndre Hunter was never a ball handler. You've got a guy like Danilo Gallinari, traditional small forward. And all these, they don't have anyone else to take the ball handling pressure off of Trey Young. And that. While it might not hold his shooting back in terms of the overall point total, in terms of a strategy perspective, you could take a little bit of the element of the game away, and that's what you've seen better defensive teams do against them, and that's why they weren't as good to start the season. They haven't been as good in the playoffs. They got really exposed badly by Miami, and that Milwaukee series two years ago, same kind of thing. Trey Young had his moments, but it wasn't like overall great. Uh, Carl says, Rudy Gobert, answer to the trivia question, who was the first NBA player to have COVID? Was it Rudy Gobert? Yep. And Snug says, the Hawks need to bring back Kevin Willis. 
Why? Why does Snug put up some stupid things in the in the board all the time? He, he put, posts something up, and I look at it. Is he trying to be funny or just trying to be stupid? I mean, it could be both. I, I don't know. Am I wrong? Maybe they got to bring back Joe Johnson for his like third stint there or something like that if they want to get more ball handling. But uh, Carl says, Errol, who is the better Nick, Danilo Gallinari or Tim Hardaway Jr.? That's a good question. Yeah, it is. Um, I would say Tim Hardaway Jr. Okay. I would say Tim Hardaway Jr. I think he was the better overall player. Gallinari, he was there for, what, two years, three years? Yeah. And then he was traded to the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. I mean – he didn't have that much th- that much of a stint to. I think he was there a little bit longer than three years, but yeah. he wasn't there that long. And he didn't have very good. He had one good year, right? And I, mean, I don't think he ever had the dynamic like overall season to the same level that Hardaway did his rookie year. Who's had a better career so far, Gallinari? Yeah, man. well, yeah, with other teams, yeah, Gallinari too, because Hardaway's had his issues with injuries as well. Maybe still more time. He's we'll also see. very young. Yeah, yeah still, still time young. with Dallas. We'll see how he plays there. But twenty-seven. I will say Gallinari didn't have the luxury of playing with Carmelo Anthony, but Carmelo Anthony was also older when the, by the time Hardaway got in, so he didn't really get the peak one of that either when he got drafted in, tw- in uh, 2015, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So Carmelo was still having some good years, but then after that, like 17, he really fell off. Then he got traded, and that They're was talking really about, The Knicks are talking about bringing him back this I year saw that. as a bench player, which is not so bad. I mean, he'll probably be his last year as an NBA player, yeah, and I, I think – you know, ending in a place that he wanted to be from the beginning and uh, his home. And he lives over there during the off season, I think. And his son's there. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, he, you know, he's playing basketball. But I think Carmelo would love to come back to New oh, York yeah. and finish his career. But he's not going to be the guy. He's not. Even, he's going to be like a no. seventh or eighth guy off the bench. Yeah, even at this point, because the yeah. Knicks have a lot of good young players, too. The Knicks just need the, the core pieces to and come You bring in a leader like him, and then you can try yeah. to get rid of Julius Randle one way or another. I mean, <laughs> yes, good riddance. Seriously. But... Uh, before we get into that football story with uh, Panthers-Browns potentially nearing a Baker-Mayfield trade, which is crazy. And they want it to happen this week, apparently. It probably will. I think yeah. the Panthers could do something like that. I expected that. Didn't they draft Malik Willis? Uh, no, Titans did. The Panthers drafted Matt Corral. Matt Corral. But he's yeah. never. I don't think he's ever going to be an NBA well, uh, We have to NFL see. NFL he's player, right off an injury. He's not going to play this year. I don't, I, don't, I don't expect it to be an NFL player, Corral. I, let's... He figures things out, but you're, you're bringing in Baker Mayfield. You, you definitely not expect that. Cause no, he's not, I don't think he was going to play this year anyway. But no, Darnold, but I, I'm talking about in the future. I mean, you bring Baker Mayfield. He's only 26 years old. Right. I mean, he's your future if you're going to trade it. But what are they going to trade for him? That's yeah, the, that really explains two things. Maybe the value is just that shot for Baker Mayfield at this point, or Carolina is just going to recklessly spend draft picks again. If they're going to give up a third round draft pick for him, yeah, that's what I, I think. That's a steal for Baker Mayfield. Yeah, a real steal. Because they're good. Carolina gets Baker Mayfield, and you add Baker Mayfield to that team. That team is a borderline playoff team because then you get yourself a quarterback, which is something that you've been lacking. And if McCaffrey stays healthy and and stuff like, well, we're talking about it already, so we might as well talk about it now. But if, if McCaffrey actually stays healthy this year, you saw their record when McCaffrey was in a lineup. Mm-hmm. He, he, they always start hot, and then they fall off in the second I half. I mean, everybody was giving Sam Donald, like, oh, the Jets made a mistake, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, McCaffrey gets hurt, and Sam Donald was booed, and then when he came back, he was booed again. Right. He was, he was horrible. 
I, I, I've blamed the Jets for that. So I, I, I will protect Sam Donald on that. The reason why Sam Donald really ne- never developed into the player that he was is because the Jets never gave him players around him to succeed. Right. And that was the problem. You see what the Jets are doing for Zach Wilson. Completely different from what McCagnan did for Sam Donald, which actually threw him to the wolves. Yeah, but the Panthers have had this problem the last four years. They've, they're the, one of the hottest teams the first six, seven weeks of the season. They've just had some bad collapses. Oh, first four weeks of the season. They were 6-2 in 2018, then they finished 7-9. and nine. Then they, I think they started 5-1 uh, in 2019. That was year Rivera got fired. They missed the playoffs. I think they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. and then uh, 2020, that was the first year McCaffrey got hurt. They started hot, and they fell off. And then last year, they were one of the last undefeated teams left. And they, they, they're, now they're picking, what, six in the draft. And what's crazy about this is Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield were drafted in the same draft, and, and they were drafted at one and three, and both of them were probably playing together, right. which is crazy. Unless Sam Darnold's a part of that trade, which he could be. Yeah, I guess I guess he technically could be. And play the back. He could be the backup for yeah, the Browns. As, the, as a potential emergency option if Deshaun Watson does get suspended, which then you could have Sam Darnold with Jacoby Brissett on that Browns roster. I'm not really sure if that's By the way, the Browns actually liked Sam Darnold at his, his pro yeah. day. They mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. but they decided to go with Baker Mayfield, if you remember that story. Right. So, and everybody thought they were that the Browns were wrong, but they've so far been right. Baker Mayfield has been the better quarterback in that draft class. So, uh, it's an interesting back and forth story. I mean, and, and you think of the Carolina, if Carolina gets Baker Mayfield, does that change the way you think of them in that division, which is a division that only has Tampa in? Right. Oh, the Saints. The Saints. The Saints are still good. I would say. I still worry about the Saints, the quarterback position. That's why I thought the Saints should be going after Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. That made a lot of sense with all the acquisitions that they made. They're going to trust that Jameis Winston's going to be the guy this year, or Taysom Hill. Yeah, the money they were mar- mar- miraculously able to shed too. This I'd rather trust too. my underwear. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm sure you would. A magical but, underwear. Maybe I should send on my magical. Yeah, underwear. The, the Panthers' defense was very good last year. Top ten in a lot of, pretty much until the end of the season. They were the second best run defense in the NFL until they just really fell apart because their offense was just so bad. They were just they were on the field for seventy five percent of the time. So if they do get somewhat of a healthy Christian McCaffrey, that also adds an element of the receiving back aspect. So as well. very important to that. DJ Moore has been steadily pretty good, but isn't really an end zone guy. The only thing they're really missing is kind of a big bodied wide receiver, but they they're. Well, Tight end. Yeah, or receiving depth is pretty good, though, as a whole when it comes from a talent perspective. The question is, is Baker's injury, how bad that'll be? Now, it's his non-throwing shoulder, so maybe the system will end up helping him because Matt Rule does like to do a lot of quick-release stuff. But still, it's one of those things where Carolina, it's still worth it at this point for the if they can get good value well, to try Matt it. Rule wants a job, I mean, he, this is his last chance. And I think Baker could save it if if he has a good season and gets some, sneaks the Carolina Panthers in the playoffs, and they could because the they could. the West. Is, I, I mean, I call it the West, but the NFC is so open right now because there's only really four teams that you can predict that could make the playoffs. There's still three other spots, and the 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 NFC is not strong. I mean, yeah. there could be surprises in the NFC and teams that you think that should be in the playoffs might not make it. I mean, seriously, it's. A lot of the good quarterbacks have gone from the NFC to the AFC, and it's just completely different now. The AFC is definitely the more dominant conference than the NFC. Now, the only different disadvantage the NFC South has is the scheduling this year does not line up for them. they got to play the NFC West and the AFC North, which could be hard. But in their own division, they definitely could be the second-best team. Any division you play in in, in the AFC is going to be hard. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just every every division is good. Even even the AFC East, just crazy to say it. I mean, even, even though the Jets and the Miami Dolphins right now 
are bottom feeders. They're teams that are definitely upgraded and definitely teams that you do not want right. to play with the talent that they have. The, the AFC East is probably the fourth best division and the third best in the AFC. Like they're, they're the second best division in the NFC if they go to the NFC besides the NFC West. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl says better Browns better keep Baker. Watson's situation seems to be getting worse. Mm-hmm. Stuck says Baker Mayfield has Steph Curry swagger. And, well, this is the same Browns team that drafted Johnny Manziel, so let's not give them too much credit. Well, the ownership is more of the problem. also drafted Miles Garrett. Well, yeah. The ownership is more of the problem, I think, with the Browns still right now. I think their GM is brilliant, Snug. They've drafted very well. They've accumulated a lot of draft picks, made some great trades. It's just they haven't solved the quarterback position on a consistent basis yet because of Baker's injury and – the way that there's just a run for They were scheme. one play away from going to the AFC title game. Right. They were one play away. Mm-hmm. And, and Baker, who knows, they could have went to the Super Bowl and maybe even won the Super Bowl against Tampa, okay? Who knows what could have happened? I mean, I know it's what a should have I remember. Because I, I, I remember because I picked that upset, and yeah. it was so close. And the, like, uh, the nose of the football on the— You picked them to go to the playoffs last year. I, they were I, your I picked them to go. Yeah, yeah, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl and lose against the Rams, and they, they didn't even make the playoffs. I told but, you, it doesn't matter what the talent on paper shows you. Yeah, well, the same thing. Same, a lot of AFC teams have that kind of issue. Mm-hmm. How talented are the Ravens and all the injuries they had last mm-hmm. year, too, and they missed the playoffs as well. Uh, Snook says, and Miles Garrett also hit some dude in the head with a helmet. Yes, and mm. since then he has changed a lot. He always him and his smart, you know, Alec. Yeah, I'm not going to say smart ass re- responses on you know back and forth banter. So, nobody is defending Miles nobody. Garrett for doing that. Nobody. But since then he's been he's been disciplined. He's been civilized a lot more. And whatever and, that means. Yeah, and he won a Defensive Player of the Year. He got a huge contract. Did he ever? Yeah, and now he's really grown and. We had we had Matt Fontana on a couple of times mm-hmm. said how much he's changed, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the a lot of the Browns players have said that Miles Garrett's a the guy they look up to for leadership. And now. Matt Fontana even said that it was a bad move to bring in Deshaun Watson. Right, he would have rather kept Baker Mayfield. He he would have, and he's upset that they're looking to move Baker Mayfield. I think the Browns fans gave up on Baker Mayfield when it wasn't Baker Mayfield's fault that yeah, he got hurt. Right. I mean, that wasn't his fault. That was a freakish, freakish accident that should have never happened. And he played with a hurt. You know, Jeff said it best: for a quarterback to stand in the pocket the way he did with practically a shoulder off. It's muscle. I mean, it, battled, it, yeah. he battled all season long dealing with that pain, and 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 Browns fans just threw him to the dogs. I Which mean, is insane because of how bad their QB history was in the 21st century. They don't have a quarterback graveyard for nothing. And if this is the guy you're going to take shots at, yes, there's drama. Panthers are going to get a good player. Yeah. Yes, there's drama. There was also drama with Odell. There's also drama with Miles Garrett. Yeah, but Baker Mayfield's uh, wife or girlfriend, whatever, I think it's his wife. Yeah. She keeps getting involved with social media. When somebody speaks, she should not be speaking for him. He is a grown man. He should not. I, if if it was my wife and I, you know, I would just tell her to, you know, stay out of my business. I understand you're trying to protect me. I love you for it, but stay out of my business. Let me protect me. I got to protect my family. I got to protect you. People attacking you, it only makes me look like I can't, you know, protect myself mm-hmm. as a football player. And that's where it goes back to the team culture aspect and the ownership aspect too. That still makes it a lot of concerns with off-the-field issues with the Browns, too. Just so much unnecessary drama. That, not just Baker, just some other, other players, too. But it has ha- hindered them from taking the next step in terms of what they should be as a team. You put this roster transmitted to a team that has a stable culture, they're probably 
in the AFC Championship game mm-hmm. or like consistently making the playoffs. And the Browns have had yet to do that with all this talent that they have, all this depth that they have, and they just haven't been able to take that next step. Yeah, you can blame injuries all you want. There's a lot of teams that overcame injuries. Look at all the things the Raiders overcame to make the playoffs mm-hmm. last year with an interim coach. So that's not necessarily an excuse every year that you could be able to make. Team culture matters. And look... I'll just switch sports for a second. Look at the Mets. Look at all the all issues the Mets had last season. With Money the, talks, yeah, baby. With all the with all the guys, all the past GMs getting all in trouble off the field, and all the issues they had, and now they're and the Yankees best team were, in the National League. And the Yankees were the total total opposite. All the Yankee fans were complaining that the Yankees didn't make any moves in the offseason. What they did is they brought some of their farm hands in from, you know, their farm systems, mm-hmm. and it changed everything. Right. They, they traded for Holmes at the trade deadline last year. He's the best closer in baseball right now, the best relief pitcher in baseball. I mean, his ERA is 0.36 or some crazy yeah. number in 28 innings. I mean, he's been dominant. Right. I mean, and then you, you have guys like King, and you have guys like uh, Schmidt. These are guys that they, they brought in from their farm system. Now, they did the complete opposite, and Yankee fans are... <laughs> But I mean, that's that's the thing with team culture. If they had the same type of team culture as the equivalent of the Browns, whatever the baseball equivalent of that would be, would you see the Yankees having that much success? No. It's no. the same kind of thing. You could be as talented as you want, but there's still going to be these other things that hinder it. And this offseason has definitely been a showing of that. By the way, uh, and I, I, I will, we will finish up with this Panthers-Browns situation. Um, Jeff... What's going on with uh, Garrett Cole tonight? I, uh, you know, <laughs> you like to take shots at him. He played a good Tampa Bay team. Shut them down tonight, okay? The second place team in the American League East, where all four teams are probably going to make the playoffs. They, he shut them down. Seven strikeouts, three hits. So I don't want to hear it anymore. Garrett Cole in his last four games had one bad game. One bad game. By the way, his ERA is going to shoot back to two. Okay, after shutting them down. So from the from the 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 highest out of all the the pitchers on the Yankees, uh, you know, rotation, he's going to be moving back down to probably two, you know, the two ERAs. So I, I'm so it's, it's such an attack from Garrett Cole. Is Garrett Cole been the player that we thought he was going to be since he's come here? No, I, I I wouldn't say that. But Garrett Cole's been sensational. He's been good. He's been good enough. I mean. You're going to pay a lot of money for a great pitcher. He hasn't won anything for him. And so far, since the, his first playoff game with the Yankees, it hasn't been good. Sucks says the Browns would have never beaten the Brady Goat. All hail the Brady Goat. And how about that Polar Bear? Yes, Polar Bear doing very well for the New York Mets as well. Absolutely. Leads the National League in home runs right now. Tied for second in baseball. But, yeah, but. Aaron Judge also has Aaron, Aaron Judge has six more than everyone else in baseball. So I mean, he's on his He's way. winning in New York right now. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Both players yeah. are up for MVP. One could win the National and one could beat the Mets. Be the American, and I mm-hmm. think that'll be the first time two New York, New York players win the MVP. Yeah, the Mets have never had an MVP in their history, so, so <laughs> it definitely I, would be the first. I mean, that would be a great story to see both two two the two New York teams the best have the best records in baseball, right. and the two New York players uh, to win the two MVPs. So, and maybe two Cy Youngs, maybe Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole, or somebody else. Oh, maybe man. Max Scherzer also Cor- pitched the rest of the season. Maybe Nasty Cortez or yeah, something like that. He's on a good pace right now, you know, <laughs> or somebody like that, or you know, any one of these guys. I mean, the Yankees' ERA is is record breaking right mm-hmm. now. It's 
it's fantastic. Snook says, can't wait for that polar bear tattoo. Well, they got to win first. Hopefully win. that ends up being the case. But yes, I will own up to that if that doesn't end up happening and the Mets actually do win a World Series. I think your parents are going to have a heart attack. <laughs> I don't think they'll care if the Mets win the World Series. They're all Mets fans, too. So they don't mind that you have a. I don't think chest, they'll give a damn if they have a tattoo. On your chest, <laughs> uh, uh, a polar bear Tattoo. I don't think they will care if it means the Mets winning a World Series. Oh, I can't my wait to see My this. mother saw. My, my, I my, might root this on. I'm a Yankee fan. My, 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 my mother saw it in 1986 when she was in college in Rhode Island with a bunch of Red Sox fans. So she got to live that, live that, and rejoice in that World Series. But uh, after that, they haven't won since. They only made it twice, and they haven't, won, they haven't won. So for to see now to see the next generation of fans be able to be able to see it is is. Something that she will take over ink on my body. We'll finish up with baseball. I will just say this about the Baker Mayfield thing. Yeah. This is a must move for the Carolina Panthers. A, a must move because this could really put them in position to make the playoffs next year, which could help Matt Rule out, help the organization. I mean, this is a team last year where everybody thought could be a borderline playoff yep. team. Matt Rule is making $9 million a year as a top seven manage uh top seven eight coach in the NFL making the money that he's making. This is a must win year for Matt Rule. And I don't know if Matt Rule believes he can win with Sam Darnold. So jump on this and pounce on this because they're not the only team probably interested in Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I know. Uh, when we had Matt Fontana on the last time, he was mentioning Atlanta as another one that still could be in the runnings. It might be a little different now since the draft, but there's always going to be the Ritter, Seahawks. But they, yeah. They're also they're not expected to win this year. I don't even know if Ritter's going to get that job because if they're in a the top five when it comes to next year's draft. Yeah, they could replace him. Uh, Ritter they, might not even. It could be Josh Ritter Rose be and Kyler Murray all over again. Yeah, yeah. so. Ritter's probably might not even be the guy in the future because there's so many good quarterbacks in next year's draft class. Yeah, and then and then you got Seattle. That's why that's why this is an important year for the Jets. Right. I mean, because if Zach Wilson doesn't produce uh, with the quarterback class next year, they're gonna move on from Zach. So Zach knows that this is such a very important year with the quarter, the five or you know the four quarterbacks that everybody keeps talking about coming out of next year's class. So. Go ahead, Speedy. I was say, Seattle's probably the only other chance for them to trade Baker Mayfield. I really don't see any other suitors at this point. I know there's been some like other scenarios that have been brought up of like him going as 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 backups or like competitions, quarterback competitions, like Washington or the Giants or something like that. But I don't I don't think that kind of thing is going to happen. I think it's really down to Carolina at this point and maybe Seattle, but it's Seattle a little less at this point. But the Panthers are saying they want to get this done like in the next couple days. They want to do it for their mandatory mini camps, which started today and is going to run throughout the week. And they want Baker Mayfield there. So they're, what they said is they're trying to get just get the salary situated. Maybe the Browns have to eat a little bit of his final year of his contract and then they're going to trade him there and it'll be curious to see what the value ends up being I think you're right I think it will be something like a third round pick at this point well the Jets are thanking uh you know the the Carolina Panthers for uh giving him Jermaine uh Jermaine uh, Johnson, Johnson. Yep. I mean it's all because of the Carolina Panthers that the, the Jets have Jermaine Johnson and, for the, that. and the tight end they just drafted too that was their fourth round pick yeah. they turned it up with. I, I mean if these two players turn, even one of these players turn into the players that they believe they're going to be I mean it was worth every bit of that move for trading Matt and, and a guy like Sam Donald who might be out of the NFL in, in a year or two so it's 
It's crazy. Yep. It's crazy how you, you, you make a move, you think it's going to change your organization. If in anything, it, it, it hurt your organization for making that move. Sam Darnold will end up be playing for Matty Cap's pickup football team. Or he could be, be coaching with him. Adam Gase. <laughs> yes. He could be the offensive uh, coordinator well, for Adam Gase in high school. Adam, no, Adam, Adam, <laughs> Adam Gase's high school football team will have to feature Frank Gore. He's still, he's still young enough. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. But Frank Gore is boxing now, by the way. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's boxing now. He's, he had his first professional heavy. A professional heavyweight fight. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Frank Gore is boxing. All right. Uh, Sean Merriman, you hear that? You might just sign him up. <laughs> well, he does MMA. Merriman. Okay. He doesn't do boxing. Oh, he doesn't do boxing. That's no, right. Yeah, that's right. We got to get Sean back on the show because mm-hmm. I want to talk some MMA with him. I'm sure he's got some interesting stories and, and his fighting team. I haven't looked. Has his fighting team signed any big any big fighters? I'm not sure either. You know, I, 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 remember, I remember Tyler asking him for apparel. <laughs> <laughs> Who asks a player, an ex NFL player, one of the great you know pass rushers of his time, uh, for apparel when he didn't offer it? I mean, yeah, only Tyler, wish. only Tyler. Classic Thank Tyler. You, Tyler. Uh, Snugs, Snugs says that mustache alone would get almost get my vote. Cortez is the best in baseball, mm-hmm. and Sam Donald is going to be working at the Taco Bell that Mark Sanchez works at. Probably well, true. Mark Sanchez doesn't work at a Taco Bell. He'll work no, he works. He works for the Jets now. He, he does a podcast. No, I was going to say he, he might be better off working for the uh, Coney Island hot dog stand than just eating it. <laughs> Yeah, Ma- Mark Sanchez works for the Jets. He does a podcast with uh, Nick Mangold. Now. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So, and supposedly he's done very, very well on their uh, their platform, so good for him. Uh, I knew the Jets were going to bring Mark Sanchez back, and, and Nick Mangold is one of the best centers of all time. Yeah. I would say top 10 center of all time. I would say time. so, yeah. Uh, and uh, definitely a future Hall of Famer, so is DeBrickashaw Ferguson. Yep. Did you hear that DeBrickashaw Ferguson – Nick Mangold and Darrell Revis is going to be uh, going to the Jets honor mm-hmm. honors this year, so Makes they're going to honor him. I want to go to that game because Darrell Revis is my favorite player, so I, I would love to see him uh, go to the Ring of Honor, and uh, that's a special to go in with those two other players. All three of them are Hall of Famers. Yeah, but Darrell, Darrell Revis might be a top three corner of all time. <laughs> the way he, he probably plays. is, yeah. probably uh-huh. is. I mean. For, for four four years of his career, I, he was by far the best corner in, mm-hmm. in football. And Tom Brady said it, you know, many many times that Darrell Revis is the greatest corner he's ever played against. So I played with. They were he was saying too, like he had to, him and Ed Reed were the two players that he had to like write on his wristband or write on like his, the papers he was studying on the sideline. Just uh, don't throw at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Darrell Revis, Ed Reed, that exclusive of class. Yeah, I re- Ed Reed was fantastic right. too. I, mm-hmm. By the way, I've been, we've been, I've been trying to get Ed Reed. He's always on Instagram. He's a, he's DJing now. He's he's a funny guy. Ed Reed has a, a crazy. I'm what are you going for a compo- uh, a c- compilation with you, him, and Tamba Holly? <laughs> I don't know, but Tamba just actually wrote to me. He's in New Jersey and he wants to get up. So ah, uh-huh. there we go. I would love to to to. To meet up with Taba, he's in New Jersey, his home, uh, where he grew up. So uh, hopefully, maybe this weekend I'll, I'll meet up with him. But uh, anyways, so Ed, Reed, Ed Reed does DJing too. I'm sorry, Ed Reed does DJing yeah, too. I see him all. I see him all the t- all the time on his Instagram, mm. DJing and stuff like that. So, uh, but Taba is out, so I would love to meet him and uh, talk to him a little bit, and you know, run things by him because uh, he's. First of all, Tom Ali is is a, such a good guy, really a good, yes, kind, kind-hearted guy, and one of the best pass rushers of this era. Mm-hmm. He really is. So, um, and, and it's still young. He's thirty-eight years old. I mean, I'm two years older than Tom Ali. <laughs> yeah. it's crazy to sound. I mean, 
I mean, and he's had a sensational year, and he's he's been so, so successful. He's got what, five, six children. Uh, great dad, yep. you know it's 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 a crazy story, it really is. But <laughs> but he doesn't wear a wedding ring anymore. So that doesn't fit on his finger. That was funny when he said that. I mean, watching the Yankees, and, and by the way, Clint Frazier needs to learn how to shut his mouth. Okay, <laughs> I used to love Clint Frazier when the Yankees traded for Clint Frazier. I, I who did he trade? They, it was with the, the Andrew Miller trade. Andrew yeah. Miller and. They traded Andrew Miller. I remember that year, and they they traded with the Cubs, Chapman for uh, Torres, Glaber Torres, Glaber Torres, yep, who was a guy that the Yankees wanted to draft, but uh, Cubs drafted in front of him, right? And and they had to make a trade for him. And Glaber Torres, yeah, and the Cubs to, wanted to keep Ian Happ, right? Glaber Torres has turned out to be a pretty good player for the Yankees. He's not a star player like they thought he was going to be, but he's a borderline player. You know, and hopefully this year he gets back to normal because last year was horrible, but. Um, Clint Frazier, I expected to be a good player. I really did. I, he was a five-tool player. Speed, great hands, fast swing, everything that we heard about him could do everything. He got called up with the Yankees and just completely mentally broke down as a player. He had some times that you, you saw that the, that the kid could be great, and then as you know, as his career started to slowly move forward as a player, as a young player, he ran into a wall, had concussion problems, and something with his cats. I, I, he had to have, like, eye surgery, too, I think. Yeah, I mean, the guy had so many different problems. And in the end, you know, the Yankee, he, he wanted to wear number seven. He wasn't even anywhere. First of all, he he fought with the Yankees for number seven when it was retired by Mickey Mantle, and Mickey Mantle is one of the greatest Yankees yeah. ever play. Uh-huh. And then he he wore number seventy seven. He denies that story, he denies it, but everybody in that locker room says that it was true. And the man, I don't know why he keeps talking. Is he that upset with the Yankees? Everybody that's left the Yankees organization has said that the Yankees are class act. He is the only one. That had even even some of the people that were only there for a year or David Justice, what one he said that was on our show yeah. a couple months ago. Josh Tower said yeah. it was one of the best years of his career. He's he's always said all these guys, all these ex Yankees that we've interviewed, all say that the Yankees are a class act or act or organization. He is the only one that is taking shots at the organization as a whole and and taking shots at the Yankees outfield, which by the way has been the best overall outfield in baseball this year. So I, I don't know what he's talking about. And then the weekend that he he plays the Yankees, he gets DFA'd. I mean, he's for no a team that's by a team that's rebuilding. By the way, is not even a Cub anymore. I, I, mean, I think the Cubs want to just get rid of him so that there was no problems because who knows what could have happened well, yeah. this weekend. <laughs> just shows me where you're new from a baseball perspective. The though, fans do, so. what the fans would have done to him. Right. Uh, I mean, the Cubs have some good young offensive players, but they're a rebuilding team that isn't very deep. And they DFA Clint Frazier. It says a little something about what's going on with you, mister. I, I don't know why he's talking, but... Uh, he just wants to fire back because they're playing the Yankees, I guess. <laughs> I think if you're you're the Yankees organization, you just kind of turn your heads to a guy like that. But it is an embarrassment for what he has been saying. And honestly, it doesn't really even matter because in the end, Clint Frazier is going to be looking for another team to play for, and it's not going to be the Yankees. And the Yankees are slowly but surely moving towards 100 wins. And 
breaking records this year, which they're you know obviously doing, which they're getting attacked in every kind of way by <laughs> just different teams and different players because of the fans or something else. So, uh, by the way, uh, Brian Cashman again looking really really good. So. Remember, and remember all the trade packages they could have traded uh, traded Clint Frazier in, and he wanted to stay with the Yankees. Yeah, you changed your tune very quickly, mister. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now that he's not a Yankee. Anymore. Now that he's not a Yankee. He wanted yeah. to stay there originally, be part of the 2017 through yep. 19 teams that consistently were powerhouses that made the ALCS twice. Uh -huh. Didn't want to be traded. and then, He did uh, nothing in those games, though. Well, you know, I, no, I don't think he played. He was just uh, he was yeah. on the Clint Frazier probably will. He be was a on the forty-man roster. I don't think he was on the playoff roster at all. But Snug, that was probably the smartest thing you said all night. Clint Frazier to the Long Island Ducks, probably. <laughs> I mean, that's probably where he's going. I, I can't. Clint Frazier, who who was supposed to be a five-tool player, he is not. He has been a strikeout waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a guy that has a lot of bat speed too, it's surprising how much he. He had the out. fastest bat speed on the Yankees. Look, the Yankees brought Bird back. He's playing in the AAA with the Yankees. Oh, right I see. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I saw him earlier in the year, and I think it was Seattle. And then... <laughs> yeah, he's playing for the Yankees farm system, okay. Greg Bird. Uh -huh. And he's actually hitting the ball. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Greg Bird one, one time this year it, coming up. Why not? Year. I mean, you might as well try the roster expansion at the end of the year. Why not? It doesn't hurt. The Yankees really believed in him. You see, the Yankees, they, they don't forget their own. They brought, uh, not Batanzas up. Benwellis back. Mm -hmm. Benwellis came back early in the season before he got hurt. He looked he looked really good for the Yankees. So the Yankees don't mind bringing back old players. But right. now that Clint Frazier's opened his mouth once again, why would they bring him back? Yeah, for a guy that is also has a lot of other issues with his game too. He's obviously undersized and never really was able to develop into the power. Now I was concerned about the power even when he was a young player that I didn't know if he had that in a power era of baseball, uh, analytics era of baseball, I thought that might held him back from being like the super superstar. But in terms of the trade, like he was still a great prospect to get back in a trade for a uh, older relief pitcher and Andrew Miller. So they still made that kind of thing work. But now he's defensively was supposed to be one of his strengths, and he's had issues with his eye eye surgery, like you were saying, concussions, and just mentally. Eventually, that ends up getting to you, like you were saying. He had some issues like, with routine fly balls a lot of the time too. It was just getting in his head, maybe some kind of yip that were getting to him, and as a result, he never developed as that either. And for a guy that has that much bat speed, you would hope that he at least turns into a contact hitter. Look at somebody like Jeff McNeil. Look at somebody like the twins, Luis Arias, that uh, one of our guests was mentioning a couple of weeks ago. Like At least turn into that. He never really turned into that either. So for guy, he's going to be very hard for him to make it back as anything at this point. I mean, who would have thought that the Yankees in a match are one and two in all of baseball? Honestly, who yeah. would have thought that? And uh -huh. by the way, San Diego has taken over the NL West. Oh wow! Okay, thirty-nine and twenty-four. Uh, the LA Dodgers have, you know, not played well in the last three games. They're, they've lost three in a row, and San Diego's won. Yeah, the Giants swept. By the way, the Mets played right? very well against San Diego. They not did? the first two, not the last two games, but the no, first two, the first well. game when Escobar hit for the cycle, yes, the last two they got blown out. But then after that, they were able to split with the Dodgers, and then they were able to play well. The rest of the I West mean, Coast if the Yankees trip. win tomorrow, the Yankees will be the first team to win. They'll have be thirty games over five hundred. Wow, thirty games over five hundred for a sixty-two game season. That is insane. And it tells you it tells you one thing. Look at this division right now. And I, I, I'm telling you, four teams out of this division is making the playoffs. Yeah, you said that was the start of the year. Too. I absolutely believe it. 
The Yankees are 45 and 16. Toronto's 36 and 25. They're 11 games over 500. You have Tampa 35 and 26, nine games over 500. You have Boston 33 and 29. They're uh, five games or four games. No, they're four games over 500. And Baltimore, who's not bad either. They're 27 36. I mean, that's <laughs> the not Yankees a bad probably right. worst win percentage this year as against the Orioles. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Baltimore has more wins than Cleveland. It's in, uh, almost has as many wins as Cleveland does, and they're twenty nine and twenty seven. And they're in second place in their division. So, I, I mean, Texas is in second place in their division, and they're twenty nine and thirty two. That just tells you how good the American League East is and how dominant it is. Mm-hmm. It really is. I, four teams is going to come out of the American League East. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah, not. right now the Red Sox have. A four-game lead on, or a four-game lead? No, the, the Red Sox have a four-game lead on the White Sox right now, and they have a, and they're about tied percentage points-wise with the with Cleveland. They're a little ahead of that right now. The Indians have more games to make up to because they had a lot of the snow games at the beginning of the year. But they, yeah, they have a pretty safe lead. But that's not safe. It's early, early, but yeah. But I'm, I'm, you're talking about sixty game, almost sixty-five games in a season. That's a lot of games. We. You're you're yeah. you're almost you're almost at the half mark, the halfway mark, right? And the Yankees are thirty games over five, almost thirty games over five hundred. That is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Who would have thought that the Yankees would be? They're twenty-seven and seven at home, eighteen and nine away. They've been a dominant force everywhere they've gone. And I don't remember the last time the Yankees lost two games in a row. So yeah, I think it was like against the Tigers, like a month ago or two, a month and a half ago, something like that. When uh, when they allowed the when everyone was bashing Aaron Boone for intentionally walking Miguel Cabrera when he could have had a 600th career home run. Uh, Snug says PSA: Wendy's is now featuring a strawberry frosty. That is amazing. Is it? And Manny Machado is having a career year. Yes. He's well. Manny Machado is one of the MVP candidates. Mm-hmm. He he could he could win over Pete Alonso. He's yes. having a great year too. He's having a great year too. But Pete Alonso leads the league in. In RBIs, and that's why everybody thinks that right, right now he's the winner. But Machado, Manny Machado's had a sensational year. Yeah, uh, the home runs might give Alonzo a slight edge right now, but it's not by much. Machado could definitely still get it too, especially now with the Padres having more issues offensively, like c- collectively as a team this year. That it's more of a pitching team than we saw last year. Last year was much more of an all-around offensive team with good pitching but not great, and then they just all fell apart at once. This year, their offense has been kind of streaky this year. Eric Cosmer had the hot start but still hasn't hasn't been the same since then. They've had their catcher platoons that have done well in certain instances but fell off. Really, Machado's been the only consistent hitter on that team. So from a team value perspective, they might give it to him. Hopefully Tatis comes back soon, and that, then he'll be yeah. Really a setback. Scary. It's gonna be uh, yeah, but he's gonna, gonna come more back. Likely. Unlikely, what? He's not coming back this year. No, no, no. Yes. It's it's gonna be more likely to his actual target date. Where... So what? He'll be back this year. And the way this team is playing, they're in first place. You get one of the best shortstops mm-hmm. in all of baseball back in in no time in the second half of the season. This team could really be uh, a championship competitive team this year. I, I I like San Diego. I liked them last year. They kind of fell short. I don't think they're falling short this year. Yeah. I, I don't like their rotation a lot, but I, San, Diego, San Diego has a great farm system. And if they need somebody, they need a top end pitcher sometime at the trade deadline. They can make a move for them. So, and their bullpen's been sensational. Their bullpen's been good. Their starting pitching still. They're getting. It's the more their veteran guys that yeah. haven't gotten it going yet. They're start. They're young guys. Mackenzie Gore, one of their best pros, uh, one of their best young pitchers, has pitched very well. Joe Musgrove, who they traded for last year, pitching well. It, 
Clevenger and Snell still trying to find their own, but you Darvish has rebirthed himself nicely as well. What's going on with Snell, too? They gave up a lot for Snell, and and he's just, I don't know. Ever since he left, everybody that leaves Tampa never turn into anything. Mm -hmm. Never. They never go A lot of pitchers, too. (laughs) It's crazy. It's something that Tampa knows when these guys are done and they get rid of them. When to trade pitchers. We saw it with David Price. We've seen it with Matt Garza, Matt Moore. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody they get rid of, they all turn to nothing when they leave Tampa. It's Scott Casimir went over there. Right. He went somewhere. Mm-hmm. He was horrible. Yeah. He went to the Angels. He was horrible. I mean, it just horrible. If you look at the – and they know. That that's what makes that organization so smart is they know when to get rid of those pitches where they turn into nothing. They're never Snook, the same. Snook says, if the Padres win the World Series, is that a sign of the apocalypse? <laughs> I don't know. It's closer to you, so you tell us. Yeah. Uh, it's a little drive down the state for you, Snug. So you could you could see tell us if there's any signs, any warnings that aren't earthquakes in San, in, in San Diego and San Francisco and all the other cities that might exist there. Uh, how about Big Game James? Yeah, he had the one year with the Royals, but that, I mean, I don't think the Rays are going to be on a net loss with that trade. The Padres are the one that really won, though, when they traded him because they ended up getting Tatis out of that from the White Sox, so that was actually kind of oh funny. But, but Snug, I would say beyond the one year with the Royals, I mean, the Rays are sure out the White Sox deal. are slapping themselves in there. Oh, yeah. They could have had the Tim Anderson Tatis middle infield for years to come, and they trade him for James Shields. Mm. Uh, what is he saying over here? It's, it's like a 10 hour drive. Yeah, I know. It's a big state, Snook. I'm saying you're still closer to it than us. Yeah, it was an 18 hour drive to drive to Florida. So. Right. It's not that bad. So, yeah, so Stug's going Sacramento. It's a half a day, yeah, 10 hours. Yeah, 10 hours. Yeah, Sacramento to San Diego. Yeah, but Sacramento is much further south than where we are, too. So, yeah, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think that when you look at what's going on in baseball, it's still v- really early, but we're almost a halfway through the season. We're like 15 games away from being halfway through. And when you look at the Yankees and you look at the Mets, and, and who would have thought that the Yankees and the Mets would be 1-2 and two in all of baseball? It, it, it's it's a great story. Would this be the, fr- the first year since? I know Josh doesn't want to hear this, but could it be the Yankees and the Mets in the World Series this year? I mean, it would be a great World Series. Really I feel. Would. I feel like what what's going to happen is there's going to like they could both get to the LCSs and then one of them will win and the other won't. Like I feel like that's the weird. Like it's going to baseball is going to want to have it happen again. If but. Jacob Degrom and Scherzer come back healthy in the playoffs, I, I mean, I, even though Cortez has had a good season and uh, what's his Tyone has had Tyone, a good yeah. Tyone has had a good year and, and Garrett Cole. I'd still take the Mets rotation over the Yankees. Mm. They would still be favorites to come because of the rotation. But the bullpen, if the Yankees could get to that rotation, the bullpens would go the bullpen right. would go to the Yankees. Overall bullpen. pitching depth goes to the Yankees. Yes. Now, here's the thing that the Yankees still have to figure out too is the is the strikeouts. They still have a lot of strikeouts this year. And the Mets have done a great job avoiding that kind of thing if they were to actually play. So the Mets have the two out hitting, they have the situational thing. The Yankees do too to an extent, but the the strikeouts are always something that has hindered the Yankees and might even though their lineup's been better than the Mets this year still might hold them back in playoff baseball. That's something they're going to have to change yep. the identity of, too, in order for them to go far, because that's one thing that's held them back in longer series. The better too. lineup is the Yankees. Yes. It's not even a question, but I, I, um, 
I, I just think the pitching, pitching wins championship. I think about the rotation. If DeGrom comes back and Scherzer comes back, of course people will probably say the advantage will go to the Mets. But again, the bullpen has been so dominant for the Yankees. And, and, and what we have seen the last, I would say, the last few years, except last year what the Atlanta Braves did because of their, their lineup, right. uh, it's all about the bullpen. If you have a good bullpen and, and you can bring those guys in to save you, you're probably going to have a good chance of winning. So, so it's going to be hard to make a decision on who is going to win if the Yankees play the Mets in the World Series. That would be fun to watch. I know Josh doesn't want to see it because he he, he thinks about 2000 all the time and how you know they lost in a in a in a series where uh, they were so close. Uh, you know, they thought they were so close, but went so far. And that was the year when Twin Tower, Twin Towers went down. So, uh, yeah. it was a it was a it was such a sad but interesting part. You know, for everything that happened, the way it fell together. So, Stuck has a question: uh, If you, if the Yankees beat the Mets in the World Series, will you get a polar bear tattoo? No. And then, uh, if the Yankees and Mets merge, would they be the Yets? I'll get something else. Uh, if the Yankees win the World Series over the Mets, I'll get something else. Else, but it has to be something cool. I'm not going to just put it on my body just for the sake of putting it, but. You think of a tattoo that if the Yankees play the Mets and they beat the Mets in the World Series, I will put a tattoo on my body. But it has to be something that is intriguing to me. You know, I'm not going to just throw something on my body. If Tyler was still here, we would make him do a Aaron Boone World Series champion <laughs> tattooed on his body. Aaron, <laughs> Tyler is the biggest fake known to man, okay? He goes to a Ranger, you know, watching a Ranger game with a Yankee jersey. This is a guy that's taking shots at the – and then you know what he tells me when I said, what do you think of Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman? He's like, that does, they're not winning the World Series. How the hell do you know? Like – what makes you think you know? And what and what happens if the Yankees do the world win the World Series? What are you going to do? You're going to go to the parade and kiss ass? That's probably what you're going to do, Tyler, because that's the type of person no, that he, you are. What he'll say is, Aaron Boone is the worst manager in Major League history to win a World Series. Yeah. That's what he'll do. Meanwhile, probably win manager of the year. He's on his way of doing that this year. And he's going to be the first manager in his first five years to win Three 100 win seasons. Right now, on pace for 118 wins, which would be which, which would break the 162 game by the way, season. And that record. has nothing to do with him. Nothing to do with him winning. They made practically no moves in the offseason. This was the same team as last year, but it's not because of Aaron Boone. No, no, no. He's just managing a good team. Yeah, what a crock. Okay, it's I I, I can't stand listening to people that is so oblivious to the world. Oh, and let me ask you a question. You still think Tampa's manager is better than the uh, Aaron Boone? You still think he is? You th- still think Cash is better manager than Aaron Boone? Because I don't know about you, Kevin Cash, uh, if you look at their records to Aaron Boone's record, Aaron Boone has a better record than Kevin Cash in his first five, uh, in his first five years. Those are just facts. Stuck says, go to the parade, then eat some delicious horse shit like Probably. a Phillies fan. <laughs> well, yeah, they could, they could definitely do that, too. The Phillies fans were also, like, lighting things on fire like their own clothing when they yeah. won the World Series in 08. It was, like, it was almost as bad as the Vancouver riots after they lost in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I, I don't know. With Tyler. T- Tyler got some... And Philly sports fans. <laughs> Tyler gets my head spinning. I don't know what to say about Tyler anymore. Um... But I don't want to see him wearing a Yankee jersey and going to a Yankees Day Parade when he's been doubting the Yankees and Brian Cashman and, and saying that Brian Cashman's past his time. Meanwhile, uh, Brian Cashman has had quite a few 100-win seasons in his time. 
and he's won quite a few World Series. I don't care when it was. He won a few of them. And he has never, I repeat, never had a losing season since he's taken over that team. There is no team in sports history that's had a reign like this than the Yankees. The last time the Yankees had a losing season was in 92. Do you want, you want to count how many years that is? 93, 2003, 2013, that's, thir- that's 30 years. And now it's 2000, going to be 2023. That would be 40 years without a losing season. What does that tell you? The game has not passed him by. I mean, 30 years. I'm sorry, 40 years. Oh, you're right. 92. 30, I, was 30, thinking, I was thinking 82. It was, a, it was, it was 30, 30 years. 30 years. It, it, it will be the thir- it, 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 After the season's over, it will be 30 years that the Yankees have had a winning season. Okay? It's there all that time. <laughs> that Nobody's ever going to come close to that ever no. again. No. Ever again. Okay? So, no baseball team, no basketball team, no football team, no hockey team, no soccer team. None. Just so you know, this is a record that won't ever be broken. It's a larger sample, too, for baseball. That makes it more impressive than if another team, another sport did it, too. So, just because you don't win championships, which is not easy to do, doesn't mean you're not looked at as a genius. And the man is going to go down as one of the greatest GMs in professional sports history. Fact. And, and, and say whatever you want past this time. He will get, eventually the Yankees, he'll part ways with the Yankees. As soon as he does that, if he doesn't retire... There will be 30 other teams, 31 other teams, ready to bring him in. So, including the Mets, who will give him an empty check and say, here you go, how much do you That'll want? That'll be the rest of their payroll. I mean, how much do you want? And, 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 and I'm sure Steve Cohen will give it to him. Oh, yeah, that'll be the rest of the Mets' payroll. Look, he brought in a, an ex-Yankee manager, an ex-Yankee executive to run the team. Mm-hmm. And why not bring the biggest executive of them all? And Brian Gashman in. <laughs> to be the Yankees. I mean, seriously, it's it's just it's a joke. It really is. And and and, and for any Yankee fan to, to to doubt Brian Cashman is, is an idiot. I've I've stuck up for Brian Cashman every single year. I've stuck up even even though I thought Aaron Boone had a horrible year last year and they made the playoffs. I still stuck. I wouldn't. I I said I I wouldn't be objecting the Yankees bringing back Aaron Boone, but he has to win this year. Right. And he has to win this year. He has at least get to the World Series. He needs to get to the World Series. Losing in the American League East is not I, American League Championship is not enough. You got to go to the World Series. If you lose against the Mets, you lose against whoever you're playing in the World Series. Well, you lost against them. <laughs> There's gonna be odds are unless it's another weird year. Power. I'll tell you this: even if so. the Yankees fire him at the end of the year, there'll be teams lining up for our. Oh, Aaron sure, Boone. easily. I mean. Aaron Boone will have a job tomorrow right. if he gets fired. Young and analytic-driven, new school, yeah. There'll be plenty of teams. Plenty of teams, and Aaron Boone has never managed AAA, AA, single-A. He was an analyst. Got a job because Brian Cashman believed in his interview and believed that he was going to fit with the Yankees. And boy, oh boy, again, Brian Cashman was right. He was right to get rid of Joe Girardi at the right time. Where's Joe Girardi now? <laughs> I'm sorry. He's no longer a manager. And he and, and I remember I remember Tyler Harrison saying on the show that he would take Joe Girardi right now over Aaron Boone. What a joke! Where is Joe Girardi, uh, Tyler? What's he doing now? And I'm not taking shots at Joe Girardi. I'm watching the Phillies win eight straight games with their interim guy. Yep. 
Yeah, that's including a thing. sweep of the Brewers. We should send him those numbers. You know, show him those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Boone may end up in Philadelphia. Well, mm, I don't think that's happening. No, I, I think if somehow he were to get fired, I, I could see a team like the White Sox. Aaron Boone's going no. <laughs> Aaron Boone is going. No. I don't think he is either. I'm just saying. Like, I, I think the I, I think the White Sox, if they get rid of Larusa, would probably be the first team that they would go to. And if somehow he's fired, but the way he's this year, you can't. No, I'm not gonna fire him unless he the. If the Yankees make the World Series, Aaron Boone will be there for his other four years on his contract. Yeah. With three years at the was it three or four years? Three years. Three years on the contract, and and then after that, if they win a World Series, they'll probably resign him again. So, Joe Girardi might never get a job again. I mean, he got two quick job, three quick jobs, one after the other. He went from Cubs, then he got a, the Yankees quick, and then he got Philadelphia pretty quick yeah. after that. I don't know if a team's going to just say, you know what, I'm going to hire Joe Girardi after what he did with the Philadelphia Phillies. It seems like everybody that leaves. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think the Phillies, I I wouldn't take that with a grain of salt. They might be just the most unmanageable team on the planet, but that's another story. But still, he's older, and he's still had issues with the players that maybe these younger players, these younger teams would not be able to take on. Same kind of thing I was just mentioning Tony La Russa with the White Sox. They've had trouble this year with the team culture because of that kind of thing. Maybe, Maybe outside of Buck Showalter, maybe the old school managers Buck's aren't working. Buck Showalter, young the players, yeah. he always has. He's, been. But it might just he just might be the exception of the rule for these Buck older never, managers. But here's the problem with Buck: he, he, as much as he's helped organizations help them win, he never could get over the hump. He we, he leaves and the team wins. That's what always happens with Buck. It might happen with the Mets too. He could. He he could leave and they win. How many years does Buck have? I mean, Buck is an old man. Right. I mean, yeah, Buck he's like is probably sixty-seven. I think Buck will probably yeah. only be there for four years. Yeah. You know what I mean? If the Yankees, if the Mets want him there, you know, and if Brian, if Buck was still working for the Yankees and they just, and Aaron Boone had a bad year, Buck probably would be one of their lead guys. Right. To, re- to, to bring him in. And that's why the Mets brought in all those top assistant coaches like they did. They're Chavez, they stole, yes. they stole Eric Chavez. Yep. And by the way, Eric Chavez has been very big for Huge. the Mets lineup. He really has been great. But so has the 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 the, bat- the hitting coach that the Yankees brought Right. In. But the, the, the Mets have brought – he's brought something to the Mets that they haven't had before. <laughs> Two out hitting, situational hitting. They're the be- uh, second best or best team in the National League in all those statistics. The only thing they're actually down in is home runs. They're 10th. But they still have a bunch of good power hitters. I think Yankee fans Tell- Got that they, he signed. He the Yankees are the one that wanted to. Uh, Brian Cashman was the one that wanted to bring him in as the hitting coach. Right, and he he backed out to take. You know when Buck went over there, that he decided he wanted to work for Buck, not Aaron Boone. Snug says Joe Girardi in Florida watching some sexy ladies dancing on poles. Probably. Oh well, yeah. He, who knows? Maybe the Marlins will be the last job. Maybe for he's him. hanging out with an Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> Sports switch. Maybe maybe Urban Myers should just go manage baseball and Joe Girardi manage football, get their careers back on track. There you go. Two guys that are be looking for it. Maybe they're two guys will you know be hanging out at the strip bar together. So there you go. Anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank Baylor for freshman offensive lineman Tate Williams for joining us. He was sensational. Keep up the good work, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, thank you for Jeff and, and the B for calling the show and being their lovely selves. Um uh, we will be back on Thursday with new guests. Who we have on Thursday? Thursday and returning to the show for the third time is defensive tackle Teron Sujic. He was with Vanderbilt when we interviewed him twice. Now he's with Arkansas State. He'll be on at 9.30. And then at 10 p.m. we have a new fantasy guy, uh, co-founder of Pros with Joe's Charity League and fantasy football writer for Dr. Roto Fantasy Sports and goingfor2.com, Eric Romoff. Oh, another Roto guy. 
yep. Dr. Roto guy. But mm-hmm. uh, happy to have him on the show. We'll have Mark joining us, too, on Thursday. That'll be fun. We haven't heard from Mark in a while. Yep. Uh, maybe we'll, why don't we get uh, well it's too much because we too many guests but we'll add Mark into the conversation but uh, next week we should get what's his name again uh, Gerard uh-huh. we'll get Gerard on the show I'd love to hear some think, takes of Gerard going on obviously with football and everything going on uh, this off season with some of the acquisitions and some of the moves that have been uh, going on not only in college football but the NFL <laughs> oh and the uh, the uh, Texas A and M Alabama feud that seems to be ongoing now Texas A and M wants wants the SEC commissioner to find them. Oh my God. The saga continues. Well, it's not the saga. It's, um, the two coaches, the two coaches that just absolutely hate each other. So (laughs) it's Texas A&M pettiness. That's what it is. Prove it on the field first. Well, it's Alabama too. I mean, who started it? Nick Saban. No, I know, but at least Alabama showed it on the field. A&M had one great year. I think they'll show it this year. I mean, Jeff picked them to, to, to possibly be the surprise team. So mm-hmm. he, did. he did. So maybe Texas A&M with the new quarterback that they have, uh, obviously portaling him his way over there. So we'll see what happens. Um, we'll be back on Thursday. Um, that's it. Uh, we really appreciate all the fans can cont- keep continue tuning in to us and, and loving what we're doing and putting you know putting out the the content that we have put out. It's all because of the fans. We're very happy to entertain everybody every single night. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.